Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talking Triple Crown, part of the Kickout 299 Network. I'm Jessie, whose pronouns are she, her, and just like Jake Lee, I was also brainwashed by Tajiri. I'm Alicia, my pronouns are she, her. Hi, I'm Rachel, my pronouns are they, them. Hi, I'm Lou, uh, my pronouns are he and him. And you might know me from my wrestling reviews on happywrestlingland.com. Thanks for the invite. Glad to be here. Uh, uh, I'm Smiley. You know, should know the stick by now. Third time back. Glad to be back as well. Well, I was going to introduce you guys, but you did it yourself. So, yeah, <laughs> we have two <laughs> special guests today, Smiley and Captain Lou. We're very excited for it. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Glad to be uh, here. We have a very fun episode for you today we got two very fun shows to go through and then our end of the awards. So sit back and relax as we get into it. Before we start, that we missed in the last episode, Kento put his Triple Crown title on the line against the clue Namora. Namora made the challenge after the 2-1 tag league. There has been a GoFundMe page set up to help Joe Doran in his battle against brain cancer. The money raised will go to Joe and his family to help out with the medical expenses. We will link the fundraiser in the show notes. Help out if you can. And as always, we wish Joe all the best. Does anyone have any thoughts on uh kento and takuya namora's challenge because like jesse said we just did not get into talking about it last time because of the chaos of jake and everyone else leaving and we had other things to discuss but um smiley lou would love your thoughts on uh on that upcoming challenge if you will i'm excited for it their champion carnival match this year was really good and i think with the triple crown on the line they're going to step it up even more uh should be great yeah, there's uh, no complaints from me. You're going to start off the new year with a big bang, so yeah. I know it was something that we all really wished for to be the January defense, so I think everyone here is really, really happy, and we're, we're glad you guys are just as excited as we are. Day one was on the 21st at Shinkiba. This show is free. You do have to sign up for a temporary registration, but it is worth it, especially the second half of this show. So before the show... Nagun Mora, Yuma Oyagi, Kento Miyahara, and Jake Lee came out to find which teams they were in when they pulled out little plastic balls from a box. Now, I know, Lou, in a tweet, you said that Yuma looked like he was crying. I missed that. So I had to go back and watch it again. But he was crying. It was really heartbreaking. And I think it set the tone for the main event. Yeah, that was something. Um, I wasn't sure either at first if he was crying or not because it seems so like out of he's such a goofball and he I think he tried to cover up his crying by playing around with the lottery balls afterwards. But yeah, he seemed pretty shook up by the whole uh, show introduction. So to get started, we had Dan Tamara and Maso Inoue defeated Ricky Honda and Maso Hanabata in nine minutes and 14 seconds. So anyway, steps in for the injured Hikaru Sato, who missed the last two December shows with a back injury. I thought this was a very good opener. Dan and Hanabata worked so well together, but we already knew that. We saw it a couple months ago, how well they mesh. 
the leapfrog spot where Hanabara leapfrog Honda so he could spear Dan was genius. I just really enjoyed this match. Uh, same for me. I, I think it got really good by the end. Uh, I'm a bigger Masao Inoue fan than most people. So for me, it's, it, it was all good. It was all good. Yeah, I like this one too. There's just a lot of hijinks in it. Wada was in a mood to yell at everyone in this match. Wada was definitely a, a character in it. I loved the work from Dan and Honda in particular in this one. Um, so yeah, just a super fun, super solid opener to get this card started. Next up, Takao Mori defeated Swama in eight minutes and 25 seconds by DQ. Swama tricks out Wada, uses the chair, then acts surprised when he's DQ. I just don't understand this man. I think it was pretty mere. Wada using his leg to stop Swama using the chair was funny. And I'm actually surprised Wada didn't turn his back and let Takao Amore hit Swama with the chair because he has turned his back on people abusing Voodoo murders, I can't think of the right word, but that's what I'm going to go with. Like, but before the DQ, I thought it was getting pretty good. I thought they were having like a champion carnival style match. And I, I got to, pr- Takao Mori has got to be the best spit seller in all of wrestling. And at some point, Suama gave him a corner lariat and his spit sell was so perfect. It was, uh, he's just the best spit seller. Uh, finish wasn't great, but uh, I liked it before that. Yeah, this was a decent old match. Uh, Suama, Voodoo Suama, love him, love him so much. So I probably like this more than everyone else. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, you know, it's kind of cool, but yeah, good match. You know, uh, me and Lou were on about uh, the rumors that these two are the, the bookers of uh, all Japan, so you know. Could have done with a book on the pole match, you know, said it once and for all, maybe. <laughs> I'm with you guys. I mean, I thought it was fine up until the finish. Wada interfering with Suwama in the chair was really, really funny. That's a high point of the match for me. I thought Takao doing like the slow old man walk on the outside during like the brawling was also like just, just pitch perfect. Um <laughs> That stuff I really love. So yeah, I thought it was good. You know, this is this is the part of Voodoo Murder Suama that I do like. I just don't like what we saw in Real World Tag League, which I thought was completely counterproductive to having a good tournament. But no, this was fine. I think that um, I think it was fine. And Takao Mori does kind of rule. Yeah, I was actually thinking the same, Alicia. That's like, okay, this is sort of the Voodoo Murder Suama that. I signed up for like the, you know what you're getting into. You're, you're going to get some shenanigans. You might get a DQ. You're going to get some really peak water moments and you know, you can look forward to those and and they delivered on that. Um, obviously it's not going to be your match of the year contender, but you know what you're getting and it doesn't disappoint you. And so that's, that's what I like about Voodoo Murder Suwama, and, and that's what this match gave. And it was fun. I liked it. I actually enjoyed this match for what it was. The finish is the finish. Like I said, you just sort of know what you're walking into. June Sato and Rei Sato defeated Chijiri and Yoshitatsu in eight minutes and 24 seconds. The double misfot was pretty cool, and that's all my notes. I have nothing else for this match. It, it wasn't great, but I... I thought it was pretty cute how the crowd really went full babyface support for the jury knowing it was their, his second to last match. So, yeah, I thought that was sweet. Uh, match was okay, but uh, cool moment for the jury. 
this was like a, a WWE superstars esque kind of match on a World Japan show, but fit, fit, fit. It worked for me. You no, know, uh, the side pro brothers they were got off to a weird start, but I think they're sort of like finding themselves with the voodoo murder stuff, and you could like this kind of match. You could tell like the improvements to where they were from September. So yeah, thumbs up from me. Great points from Smiley. I I didn't really watch a ton of this, admittedly, and it's not because I was uh, trying to avoid watching it by any means. I just had uh, too many things going on at the same time and uh, just <laughs> didn't have time to circle back too much. But uh, no, great points from from uh, Lou and, and Smiley on this. And uh, it was nice to see that uh, the crowd in this show and also in the the final show, really get behind uh, Tajiri and that, you know, he's leaving and deserve a little bit of respect on the way out. Izanagi and Black Mensa Ray went to a double knockout at six minutes and 30 seconds. This was Izanagi's last match in All Japan, and it was pretty weird, especially the ending. I don't really know how to explain it. Please go watch it. I said before, this show is free. I tried a couple of times to explain it, but I just it made no sense when I read it back. Also, I do want to mention this match had an 11-minute time limit since these two had so many 10-minute draws. This went one more minute than usual. Yeah, c- considering that Izanagi's leaving for Osaka Pro Wrestling, I thought this was a perfect final match for him. That was essentially an Osaka Pro Wrestling match. Just had a straightforward comedy match, uh, shades of uh, Kushinbo Kamen or Ebesan. Uh, it was a fitting final match for Izanagi. <laughs> no one else is nice. I mean, Alicia, do you have any <laughs> thoughts on this match? I know you have a lot of thoughts about Mensure and Izanagi. I think it was, I think it was what it was. I hope Izanagi enjoys uh, being back with Zeus in Osaka Pro. I think that's the perfect environment for him. Um, <laughs> hopefully we'll find something else for Black Menso Ray to do. And um, that's it. Thank you. <laughs> and good luck. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm dying. Oh no. I. This is another match where you kind of just know what you're getting when you walk into it, huh? But like from a sort of opposite perspective. <laughs> um, but I did, I did think the 11 minute time limit was really like genuinely <laughs> really funny. Like that was just a cute self-aware nod that they were given. And, and this match was very self-aware um, just sort of what they've been doing all year. Um, you could even say if you were like invested in the Mensure Izanagi storyline, you could say that it was a really good conclusion to the storyline before Izanagi <laughs> left. You could. It it was it was just an unhinged little match that just worked. And um, yeah, I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't like it because I don't like a lot of their matches. So I didn't expect to like it. Um, but it it was what it was. And I think it was a decent send off for Izanagi. We'll just say that. So long and good luck. Considering he had to run screaming from Nozawa. <laughs> yeah. This was about the best we could give him. So. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's, that is the rumor, wasn't it? It's something. Yeah. I can respect that, though. <laughs> Asuki Oyagi and Hokuto Amore defeated Ryu Inoue in Rising Hayato in 12 minutes and 5 seconds. I thought this was just another fantastic junior match to add to their previous fantastic junior matches that they had this uh, month. My first thought <laughs> was when Hayato came out, I was like, damn, I missed this boy. 
I didn't think that about anybody else in this show who just hires her for some reason. Inoue was really the star here. He just had an awesome performance. His kicks are just getting so much better. All these four looked great. I do just have one little negative thought about this match, and that is Dan should have been in it. This was promoted as a special Junior Battle of Glory match, so why not have all the participants? I understand you can't have Sato because he's injured, but what they could have done is put Dan and Hanabata from the first match and put them in this one. And other than that point, I love this match. Fully agreed. I thought it was really, really good. And the main thing that stuck out for me here was that Inoue, who was the least experienced of the four guys, he was on the same, it seemed like he was on their level. All the way through, worked really well with everyone. He keeps getting better and better in every match. Uh, just really fun to watch him grow as a wrestler. And uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I have to echo the sentiments around Inoue in particular. I mean, just his teamwork with Hayato was so impressive. They look like they could be a tag team right now. And Inoue is still so green, but you would never really know, right? From the way that he's gotten better and better and better over the past couple of months. It really is to me um, just stunning. I really did enjoy too Hakato and Otsuki's chemistry now that they're you know, fully enmeshed as part of whatever Hantai is going to become now that Jake is going to be leaving. And they seem to be kind of sticking with this. Um, they're certainly still selling the merch around this. Um, so I guess they're going to be sticking with this, but it was good to see some of their um, chemistry in this as well. And I thought that that moment with uh, Inoue and that really big kick he gave to Otsuki um, on the outside was such a cool part of the match. So yeah, I thought that this was just excellent, to be honest. Yeah, it's this match ruled. <laughs> It really did. It was, it was just a fantastic match. And um, I was going, I never know the card when I put on these shows. I just, I don't look at it in advance. And uh, so when I saw everybody coming out, I was just so stoked because I knew this match was going to rule and I was not at all disappointed. It's, it's a banger. And like Jesse said, it was free. So there's absolutely no reason for you guys just not go out and and check it out. I think this match is like, uh, like a perfect showcase to you know show the difference between the junior division from last year and how it's like gone so much better this year because of the focus on like the core guys like you were mentioning about you know you know in a way he's like he's gone so much better like I think on every talking triple crown podcast you've mentioned how better he's gone it's more like he's getting old now that's how good he's become this year so yeah good match uh, something you should definitely watch that if if you are going to check out this show yeah, it's a really good point is that the show, this match really showcases a lot of their growth um, from the past year as well, which is something we're going to talk about, especially as we get into the end of year stuff, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, definitely a good, a good shout there, Smiley. Suji Ishikawa defeated Yuma Anza in 14 minutes and 38 seconds. So Suji basically tried to kill Anza here. It was so... Brutal, the double foot stomp from the ring apron to the floor, the nasty sounding elbows, the lariat's thrown. Shushi was scary here, especially when he was backing Anzai up into the corner and he was desperately throwing elbows trying to stop him. <laughs> I mean, I love Sushi because he posts photos of like ice cream he eats and then he tries to kill kids in the ring. Um, Anzai did make his comeback, even scoop slamming Suji, but poor Anzai, he, he had it hard, but he looked so good in this match. I just... It's just amazing. It, to me, that was one of the craziest All Japan matches of the year, straight up. Uh, it boggles my mind that Anzai is having these matches like 
three months or something into his career. That makes no sense to me. But here we are. He's doing it. Um, I was I in my review, I compared it to a like watching a horror movie at times. Like there were spots in that match where I was like, oh, no, he's going to die. This is it. Uh, but yeah, it made it, it made it really exciting. Uh, he got his comebacks in and it, it's crazy how much stuff he was allowed to kick out of. I was really shocked by it. Um, and it, that kind of match would not have worked with any kind of young lion or rookie. Uh, and here they made it work, which tells me that they got something special with Anzai. It's really something special to watch. In real time, I think it, we're, we've got the next ace right here. Yeah, this match was uh, so, so, so good. Like uh, Ishikawa on point with all the elbows, everything made himself look like just a killer. And then Anzai's you know, fire as a, a young lion or young boy, whatever you want to call it. Like three months into his career, you could just tell that sky's the limit with the way they're treating him. Like next year, maybe, maybe if he gets a, a triple crown title match because... Damn, he's good. Absolutely. I mean, I keep thinking about, I ended up gifting it on my Twitter account because like the camera was positioned perfectly. So it was behind Shuji. And you saw that like one shot he landed to like what Anzai's face, right? And like the way that Anzai kind of just like crumbles, like stuff like that was so effective during that match. But the way that Anzai comes back from all of it was so deeply impressive and like Lou was saying and um and what you know Smiley's alluding to as well is like he was just allowed to do so much in the way that he was able to get things over Shuji like I can't remember in contemporary Perez anyone who's been allowed to do that I cannot remember a single person there is not one person that comes to mind it makes me immediately start thinking about like what are they going to do for his trial series who are they going to bring in for this because they clearly are are going to elevate him very quickly. And it's going to, I think, look quite similar to what they did with Suwama. Um, so it's going to be fascinating to watch it from here. But I mean, like everyone else is saying, like, this match, again, like, the show is free. If you're going to watch one match, just kind of disconnected from everything else, and if you don't know anything about All Japan, I mean, put this one on because Yuma Anzai is someone to kind of get in on the ground floor of now. He's just deeply deeply impressive. And I, I will say to me, I'm not someone who cares that much about crowd noise. I can often forget that the crowd can't make noise because I just don't care. But the crowd's reaction to everything in this match is actually amazing and adds to the experience of watching the match. Because when Shuji is brutalizing um, Anzai, um, you can feel their horror and it adds to the experience of watching it. So um, yeah, and this crowd was legitimately disappointed that Anzai lost. Um, there, you could feel the deflation as soon as um, Shuji won. But like, that's that's the power of of Yuma Anzai. I mean, he's just already like this incredible star, and he's barely been with us really. Um, so it's just it's remarkable. I'm really glad you gave the crowd uh, noise that shout because when uh, Lou mentioned that it felt like a horror movie, I was like, yeah. And, and the crowd was sort of that like backing soundtrack that gets your tension uh, going throughout the match. It, it really is. It's, it's a, um, it's just a really good match. And um, if you guys know me at all, you know, I love mean veteran brutalizes a young guy uh, as a genre. And this is, 
honestly one of the best. And I think it's it's sort of a style of match that Shuji just does exceptionally well in general. So when this match popped up, I knew immediately it was going to be amazing. And even then it still blew me away. Uh, it was just really good, really scary in parts. And then um, I can't say enough about Ansai. Actually, I forgot that this wasn't a part of his trial series. I forgot that we're not even on that yet. Um, just because this feels like a coming of age and coming into stardom for him already. And so um, Alicia raises a really good point. I have no idea what they're going to do, but I think that his trials are going to seem like a big deal, feel like a big deal and be a big deal. Uh, so if you guys are just joining us for All Japan, you want to keep an eye on that. You want to keep an eye on Yuma Atsai. Kenta Mihara and Yuma Oyagi versus Jake Lee and Naoya Nomura ended in a 30 minute draw. So I cried throughout this match. Oh, this match. When Yuma got the feather out of Kento's hair before they even started, that's what got me. That's what made me like, yep, here come the tears. I don't know why it was that big, but it just was. It's such a small, stupid moment, but just seeing Yuma and Kento back together got me. I love these um, tag team. If you know me, you know I love these two together. Them reuniting is like my Maru Ken getting back together. I absolutely adore this match. Yuma calling for the fellow back, which was to clear, and Kento's double team was great. Kento being an absolute pain to Jake. He would not give him any peace at any moment. He kept on calling him into the ring. Yuma uh, doing a roll through end game on Nomura was beautiful. I think it's the second time he did it. So Nomura should have it scattered, but he doesn't yet. The ending where Jake started the Kento chain also got me. I just love these four and I love this match and someone else better start talking or else I'm going to cry. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. And um, my, I know it was sort of a, a, one of the two Jake farewell matches, but my favorite parts here were mostly uh, Nomura and Aoyagi together working the finish. Uh, these two are really good together. I think they have like a classic all-time classic all Japan match in them. We might see it next year. We might see it one day. I don't know. But uh, yeah, that was my favorite part here. All the Kento and Jake exchanges also. They, you sort of felt nostalgic already just watching them. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was an emotional match. Um, and I much preferred this as a Jake farewell match than what we got on the Christmas show. And I guess we'll discuss that later. Yeah, so uh, this match is uh, it's quite a bit of an emotional one. You know, that's when kind of sunk in with me that, you know, Jake's leaving. So all this stuff that we saw with, you know, Kento, Yuma, you know, that's going to be the last of him for a while, which is a bit, a bit sad to think about because, you know, he was, uh, he was a big part of my AGBW, like, fandom. You know, he's one of the first people that I really got attached to. Obviously, the feud with Kento, you know, his history with the Nomura, the tag title stuff, you know, is, uh, this is when it all kicked in. But yeah, this is a really good match. Um, I think as well, like the Shinkiba venue was the perfect choice for this match because, you know, all the crowd, they were just going wild for thinking everyone, especially when Jake came out, all the, you know, the female fans went wild for him because, you know, it's probably going to be the last time for a while where they see him in the... All Japan map, but this is definitely something that people should check out, especially like those last five minutes. They were so good. Even though I knew the result, this it still sucked me in. 
So yeah, good stuff from everyone involved. It's funny that the feather bit did you in, Jesse. I was trying to guess which part because I also had a part, but it wasn't that. It was the whispering thing when, because I it was really actually very interesting because this was probably the second best kind of match we could have gotten. And you know, this was the 2019 Real World Tag League finals between them. And um, it was nice in a way. Um, oh God, sorry. I am, I am done with this year because of these guys actually, but it was nice in a way because we got to have at least a little bit of closure between um, Nauya and Jake in a way that like got, kind of got sped up, right? Because Jake is leaving. We went from Budokan to this, which is always really odd, but I guess it's a little bit of closure in some way. And it was interesting to watch them kind of default back to a relationship that we haven't seen between them since um, since like Jin was, was still around. Right. So like we got to have that, which was really nice. That was like the second best match outcome. I think, um, I would have preferred Jake and Kento to tag together, but that's okay. We got what we got, <laughs> but what did it for me was the whispering bit because Jake was whispering to Naoya in the ring. And then Yuma of course goes to get Kento to whisper to him and Kento won't do it. He blows him off. And then Yuma runs and gets Jake to whisper to him and Jake will do it. And then Kento flips out and like rolls out of the ring and you can hear him screaming off camera, which is the most like, it's like the most next stream 1.0 moment, right? It's like everybody's personality is like perfectly displayed for you. And I just like lost my mind because like that really shook me because there's, that is just something we're not going to have. Like you're not going to have that. And Jake and um, Yuma have such a, a particular relationship and it's just like Jake's just not going to be there like who is Yuma going to run to like that stuff is really tough so so yeah this this match was was quite good I agreed with Lou in your review um and saying that they couldn't quite figure out the tone of the match we've got those moments of levity like things with the whispering spot and just like some of those moments but then Jake and Kento were actually just like brutal to each other but I think that they were having a difficult time of, um, they were like trying to make the Maruken decision of like, well, we've got to preserve the rivalry. And that I think is what you were kind of seeing in that the post-match comments um, that, they, that they gave to each other were really lovely. They weren't um, as, I guess they weren't as, uh, the, the match itself would make you think that they were going to leave it on a much more sort of bitter note between each other to kind of preserve that rivalry even more. And they don't take that tone. Kento is actually really generous, not just to Jake, but all of them. Um, he calls them all great wrestlers, which um, if you know how Kento talks, it's actually quite a big compliment for him to give to the group of them. And he says that he's going to lead all Japan at the forefront. And, you know, he he wants him and Jake to, to do this again someday. And that's sort of the sentiments that he leaves them with, which... Um, Again, for Kento, that's that's you know quite a, a large sentiment, and and Jake really does um, echo that, and he and he thanked Kento, and it was really lovely. So yeah, it, the match itself is 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 quite good, and obviously you get it to go to a draw, and like Lou was saying too, Yuma and now yeah really are the stars here. There's several spots with them that are just kind of excellent that I think can get you really excited for the fact that we know that. We don't really know what Naoya is doing with the company itself, but we do know that they've committed to tagging together and also that they want to, in 2023, have a triple crown match together. And that really is the good thing to take away from this, that we, we really don't know what's going on with Naoya yet. But we do know that there are, are still the three of them here, even though Jake is, is moving on. So, yeah, I tried to count how many things that 
Kento said in English here, but then I lost count. But there was a lot. Um, yeah. And the way that Jake and Yuma both sell that like insane knee that Jake hits to Yuma's gut is like absolutely incredible. And one of my favorite spots. And then now, yeah, he did like his forearms into the spear and to you and then into this right into Yuma's submission. And that looked so effortlessly cool too. So there's a lot to enjoy um, about this match. And like I said, there's, I think there's a lot of moments of trying to preserve the, the Kento and Jake rivalry, which is interesting with the tone, but then they end it on a very, um, it really is about the four of them when it ends. And that's, I think the, the sort of lovely part. And I think Kento even pinned the picture of the four of them in the ring with their arms raised, which I think should tell you a lot about um, what that moment was like for all of them. Yeah, that's just beautifully said. There, there was that note of just how important these four are to all Japan. You really got to feel that. You got to really feel the gravity of um, the rivalries that they've they've built. And um, yeah, it's there's not a whole lot I can add here except for I guess the moment that made me cry <laughs> because we all apparently have one random little moment. And it was actually it was one of the moments where Kento is. Um, goading Jake and just getting really, really, really cheesy about it. But it, the camera cuts to Jake hanging out on the ropes and just watching Kento. And you have this sort of bittersweet expression on his face that he just sort of knows it's over and that, you know, he, he has to move on. He won't get this again, at least for a while. And it just hit me. It's, it's hitting me now, just thinking about it, um, where you, you, can see that Jake is sort of accepting that he just has to say goodbye to this. Um, as annoying as Kento is, it's it's not, you know, it's it's something that has also been uh, a solid for him, something that's been consistent for him. And it's just, uh, yeah, it was just a really, really bittersweet moment. And uh, yeah, the match, the match was incredible. It just did a really good job showing off what Next Dream 1.0 is. Uh, Leash did a really good job talking about how all their personalities sort of show in this match. And, and I also agree with uh, Alicia and Lou that there was some tone issues, but in the end, it felt like a fan service match. The uh, crowd certainly seemed to receive it that way and in, in a very good way. I like that Smiley mentioned the cat calls uh, towards Jake. They were very fun. They were very tongue in cheek. Kento reacted to them very normally, as you would expect. Um, he was all for the ladies just going wild for Jake. No, it was, it was just really funny. And they, they were having a really good time and you could tell how much they cared for each other. And the post matches showed that too. And, uh, all of them just believe and from the bottom of their heart that they are the center of the wrestling world, not just all Japan, but the four of them will meet again and um, they will continue to be as important as they are now. And I think that's just a really, really good thing to, uh, to note and to keep an eye on all of them, wherever they may go. Day two was on the 25th at Corican Hall. The attendance for the show was 1,296, which is great for all Japan. In the opener, Kaz Hayashi defeated Rising Haito in seven minutes. I thought this was a pretty good opener. They had a lot of nice moments together, but for me, it didn't really get to the great level that a lot of other people saw it, but it was still good. Yeah, I actually agree with Jesse here. I think Hayato's had a lot of better matches this year, but I thought it was really cool that he got to face Kaz Hayashi because I've mentioned this before, but a lot of the Atsuki versus Hayato matches, to me, they seem influenced by that the Kazayashi era of All Japan Junior Heavyweights. 
And the fact that they booked this seems to, I, to me, it seemed to reinforce that notion that what guys like Ayato and Atsuki are doing seems more in line with the like Kaz Hayashi and Kenny Omega era than like the, uh, I don't know, the Ikaru Sato era or the Iwamoto era of recent years. But uh, yeah, cool little match, um, cool uh, spotlight for Ayato. Yeah, this is a nice little match. Uh, obviously, like Captain Lou said, the, the old ace of uh, all Japan juniors, Kazayashi versus potential the future ace, was a nice little match. I'd say the only real uh, downside was like, you never really felt like Hayato had a chance of winning per se, but other than that, a good match. And uh, it, was a bit, it was a bit of the weird introduction at the start that um, photo with the Carvel Ito was just so awkward to watch him. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing. But yeah, it was, it was a nice match. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, Kazayashi and these uh, shows, you know, these sort of shows again, you know, uh, people like uh, Hayato, Atsuki, uh, even like Ryo in Norway could learn a lot from someone of his experience. I completely agree with a lot of the points that Lou and Smiley have um, just brought up. And with Jesse as well, I saw a lot of people reacting to this like it was a great match. But then I thought that maybe I was like broken or something because I was like, I didn't think it was that great. It wasn't that great, but I thought it was it was pretty good. I, I think like Lou said, we've definitely seen better Hayato matches. And that's why it's hard to um, have gotten super excited about this one. I think Kaz was perhaps hurt in 2022 um so hopefully we do get him back more in 2023 because like smiley just said like we could only have um some of our juniors benefit from working with him i'd like to see this match run back again i think it could be better toshizo jun saito rei saito and taro defeated minoru ruki honda yosuke kadama and maso hanabara in eight minutes and 32 seconds and I had to watch a tarot match on Christmas Day, and that really sucks. <laughs> the powder spot, I just hate the powder. I will go on it forever because I don't care. I just hate it so much. But from this match, we seem like we are getting Toshizo versus Minoru for the Goro TV title, which really could be fun. And as much as I love Toshizo as a champ, I think um, Minoru holding the belt could be really good. He said he will make the belt serious again, which is always good in my book. But after this and whoever wins, I would like them to drop it to an All Japan wrestler. I'd like an All Japan belt to be back in All Japan. Yeah, this one, I don't know. It, it wasn't anything special. I guess it was a standard like mid-card voodoo murdering affair. But I really like the post-match angle with Minoru going all like angry baby face and jumping on voodoo murders. I thought it was really cool. And yeah, I agree with Jesse. I think a Gaora TV title match with Minoru could be something uh, Pretty good, something to look forward to. Regarding the match quality, all I'm going to say is that I was uh, sports entertained thoroughly. Um, and uh, I was watching the um, Gaura version of this show and uh, found out that Rika Honda's nickname is uh, Dragon Warrior, interestingly. but So, you know, a little a bit of uh, more lore for the All Japan show fans who are listening to this. Thank you, Smiley. He is such an insufferable nerd. But thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate you dropping that knowledge on the podcast. My big note on this match is this was fine until Taru ruined it, which I think is is still true. Um, but I'm with Lou. I think that the end with um, Minoru and Toshizo, that like pull apart at the end, that was really cool. And that had a lot of heat to it. And it's nice to have Minoru coming back. I'm still disappointed that we don't ever see like um, Kondo anymore. 
we never like got any like real resolution to that. He's busy, I guess, in Congo, but it's nice to still have Minoru around. That could be a really good match, but, um, and I, you know what? I did miss Toshizo too. We didn't have him in junior battle glory and we didn't necessarily need him, but I do like Toshizo. So I'm excited to have Toshizo back in the mix, but I agree with Jesse. I think that um, it would be really, really good to have the Gaura title back on an all Japan wrestler and uh, moving forward. There's a lot to be said about the booking right now, that title and also the all Asia tag belts. There certainly is a lot to say about both those belts, but um, no, uh, first off, thank you for that trivia, Smiley, because that's absolutely uh, fantastic and ties into uh, his his name is Ryuki. It means dragon, like bright dragon, effectively. So the fact that he just, he, he loves his name. He's very into it because he has a lot of dragon motifs and then he like calls back to Kamen Rider Ryuki a lot. So he's, it's just something he's really thrilled about. He built that brand around his name. Uh, so it's, it's good trivia. I really like uh, that you, you said that smiley, but moving into the match. Um, yeah, it was, you guys said everything uh, pretty much that I want to say. Uh, Minoru was definitely the highlight there at the end. Taru's mask looks really cool. That's all I can really say about the Voodoo Murders um, there. And yeah, uh, that's that's pretty much how it is. I'm really hoping for that Minoru-Toshizo match that's going to rule. And yeah, it was it was a Voodoo murdering. Lou said it. Up next, we had Nayu Namara defeat Yoshitatsu in one minute and 47 seconds. Seeing Namara defeat Tatsu in less than two minutes made up for the previous match. I know Alicia and Rachel know this because I put it in the group chat, but I do have a question for you guys. Yoshi Tatsu visited the New Japan LA Dojo recently and said next year he will win the Triple Crown Championship. So on a scale from me winning the belt to Kento winning the belt, what do you think his chances are? I think we're getting Triple Crown Yoshi Tatsu. It's happening. <laughs> We're getting it. You have to lose a Yoshitatsu <laughs> apologist. Yeah. So, and now he's Yo- Yoshitatsu triple crown truther. <laughs> <laughs> Miley, what do you say? Do you have a horse in that race? I think uh, Captain Lou might be onto something. I think uh, the right. spirit of Inoki burns through Yoshitatsu's veins, and uh, he's gonna he's gonna win the big one. He's gonna he's gonna point to the WrestleMania sign after he wins the Champion Carnival. <laughs> Um, he's going to be Kento Miyahara. <laughs> See, when you put of, it that uh, way. <laughs> of, uh, uh, they fly the... in a WrestleMania sign to hang up in Kirk and all. <laughs> yeah, he's going he's gonna to beat him in front of uh, 100,000 Yoshitatsu maniacs in the Nippon Budokan. Somehow they're going to fit that much people in, but, you know, as long as you believe in Yoshitatsu, anything can happen. Cult of Yoshitatsu. This is just shocking. Absolutely shocking. See what you've done, Jesse, by bringing this up. Alicia, what are what are your thoughts on it? On him winning the triple crown? Yes. Honestly, he's not my biggest problem. <laughs> not my biggest problem. You know, and he what? signed to all Japan. Yeah. Right? Does he have a contract? Yes. I think Smiley, so. does he have a contract? Yeah. Yeah, he has his contract. Okay. Well, then he's not my biggest problem. That's fair. If we can avoid an outsider with the triple crown for a while, then I think we're actually in fairly good shape. But Yoshitatsu is not the, the one that I would choose. We'll just put it that way. But um, I would pick Jesse, though. If, if, <laughs> on a scale from Jesse to Kento, I was like, well, actually, I think Jesse would be a good champion. <laughs> <It'd> be terrible. <laughs> yeah, <you're great. laughs> 
Uh, I just want to say I kind of need to show Yoshitatsu some love because uh, he gave me five Yoshitatsu points back in 2019. So, you know, can't forget about those prestigious points. Got to be eternally grateful for whatever I get in life. So, yeah. Okay, fair enough. I respect that. Do we have any actual notes on this match? Captain nah. Lee, what were your notes? So, <laughs> as the as one of the few, I guess, one of the two Yoshitatsu respecters on Twitter, I would have been down for a normal match here, but uh, we got the Minuteman Nomura cradle thing, which is fine. Um, I was told to look for a 2019 Nomura Yoshitatsu Champion Carnival match that happened uh, that I missed somehow. So I guess I'll go back and watch that one and give it three stars and move on. Smiley, do you have additional thoughts around this particular match? Uh, it was cool, you know, can't really complain. It was a thingy. I think, uh, I kind of hope, um, you know, with Nomura, you know, sort of like uh, being uh, in all Japan again, I hope uh, these kinds of matches continue because, you know, it's something different, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for something different. And obviously, like, if he's in the champion carnival, it could be like a very good spot. Like if he's, I don't know, a second away from getting to the final or, I don't know, he just uh, flash pins Kento to stop him from getting to the final, something like that. I feel insane because the way that I saw the match is not how apparently other people saw the match. But I actually thought this was, um, I wrote the generosity this company bestows on Yoshitatsu because I thought that he... Uh, <laughs> I thought he got in a little too much offense against Nomura, <laughs> but um, I thought it was fine. I like Naoya being around, but um, I am like Lou. I actually would have just preferred that if they just had like a normal match, like couldn't we have just gotten one of the like normal eight minute matches that were on this card? We could have probably shaved down some time off at least two of these to give them a normal eight minute match. And I would have preferred seeing Naoya work within that rather than do um, this because it just didn't, it was fine. Like I'm never going to complain about getting Nawia on a card, but I would have preferred a normal eight minute match. Perfectly said all around that it was, it was fine for what it was, but we could have had something a little bit different and still um, given Nawia a, a good little bump there actually could have given him a lot more. So yeah, there was, there was more that they could have done and, it's still accomplished, I believe, what they intended it to. So there is that. Horiyanu, Tajiri, and Black Mentor Ray defeated Dan Tamara, Tomoyaki Home, and Yuji Nagata in seven minutes and 54 seconds. This was Tajiri's last All Japan match, and they missed the last miss spot he would ever do. It, it was focused on Yano holding back the ref. I thought, oh my God, he just couldn't focus on Tajiri for like two more seconds. They had a Nora ref a New Japan announcer, and an All Japan wrestler on commentary, so it was like the crossover of the year. Tajiri's done. Bye, Tajiri. Thanks for the brainwashing. Um, it's been fun. <laughs> yeah, I don't have much to say about this one. I guess yeah, like the last Tajiri match on the previous show, it was nice that he got the full babyface experience, and I really enjoyed that uh, Tamura got to do the Honma Kokeshi spot. Um, and that's about it. Uh, my only note is that it's kind of funny seeing Yuji Nagata sell, uh, sell for Black Man Zore. It's obviously, you know, the biggest star in all Japan pro wrestling history. But yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was fine. But the, I think the, you know, the botched uh, miss was just sums up Tajiri's uh, 2022. He's cool though. I like him, but yeah. 
Riley only has hot takes for us on this episode. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. We brought him in at the right time. Uh, I have no notes. You were saying back when we first started this podcast that you wanted more hot takes out of Smiley in our uh, first episode with him, that he didn't give us enough hot takes. So we're, uh, we finally have made it a year in and now we're getting all of Smiley's hot takes. So I think we've accomplished a lot. <laughs> I've got a lot of hot takes here, but I just don't think, uh, you know, the ProRes Twitter can handle it, you know. My, I might get <laughs> we can handle it. We might, can handle might it. My, uh, might lose my position of power. So, you know, I'm not going to ask anything. So, yeah. Oh, man. That's great. Well, this this match was just okay. It it sure did. It also accomplished what it set out to do. And uh, I did like that there was all those little crossovers that we were going into. But mostly, I'm chomping at the bit to sort of get to the next match. So, Jesse, if you want to go ahead and take us away. Yuto Nakashima, Ruhei Oiwa. And Kosuke Fujita defeated Hokuto Amore, Ryu Inoue, and Yuma Anzai in 10 minutes and 11 seconds. I just adore the hate these rookies have for each other. It's just, oh, it's just so good. This was another fun rookie versus rookies match. It was nice to see Inoue still do Takao Amore's elbow job because he's now a kick boy. So that was really cool to see him still doing it. But I just wish All Japan had another rookie so they could really do three versus three. But um, more young line matches in All Japan, please. And just let All Japan win one match, please. Uh, that was my favorite match of the card. I was really high on the previous one that these, uh, previous one of these All Japan versus New Japan young boy matches. This one was not quite as good as the last one, but almost as good. For me, again, the highlight of these matches is when you have Anzai and Nakashima working together. They just bring a level of hatred that is just insane. And they had an exchange here near the end where like uh, it felt like a Tokyo Dome kind of match, like just massive exchange. Again, made me think that they've got something really special with Anzai. Yeah, I think this was uh, the match of the night for me and a lot of people, you know, the, the last time they came to Korokan, it was just pure hatred and you know can't can't you know there's uh, wrestling and hatred get along very well for some reason but yeah um i think the only thing this match was missing was you know a bit more nakashima and uh, anzai exchanges but um i have to praise uh hokuto mori's lack of you know really giving a shit to be honest but yeah uh, especially near the end and the start he did not care one bit he just wanted to do his uh, chef's kiss pose but yeah um <laughs> I can see, uh, I can see, I have a, a bit of a vision, you know, in 22 years' time when Yuma Anzai leads another exodus from all Japan, you know, him versus uh, Nakashima and the Tokyo Dome. I can see it happening. I can see the dollars. <laughs> you know, it's going to be booked by Tajiri as well. So, yeah. <laughs> cursed. So, yeah. <laughs> so cursed. Oh, smiley. How do you follow those comments? God. Uh, Well, I agree with both of you. I mean, I think that Nakashima and Anzai are certainly a highlight, but I thought that Inoue and uh, Fujita were actually um, also really impressive because, and this is like the theme of everything that we'll continue to talk about with Inoue probably ad nauseum, but Inoue from the last time we had these guys in Korokin to now just going up against Fujita again, you can see like how much more confident he is and how he was holding his own um, against Fujita. And it was just really, really, really impressive to me. They had some good exchanges and he didn't like in the last Korokin match with all these guys, he did look like 
sort of just the youngest and um, the most inexperienced, not as much in this match. He really was holding his own. He looked like he belonged in there and that was great to see, but this really was an excellent match. This was also my favorite of the night and it's really hard. Um, we got to stop letting the young lions go back. I think that's the issue. I would rather like give these three contracts in, in January than almost like anybody else so that they can just stop leaving because they really are, um, such a highlight every time we get to have any of them on our cards. And, um, I don't want to watch them on new Japan cards. I want them on our cards. So <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> I feel very comfortable saying that, but yeah, this is, um, this was an unbelievable little match. And I thought that like what Smiley was saying with um, Hakuto Mori, he is so himself in this match that it's just really funny. But then um, he really kind of pulls it together during certain spots and he really becomes a leader in this for his team. And it's fantastic to watch. He is just great. And really, I think an unsung hero in some ways in 2022. Yeah, this match ruled. Um, I agree with Alicia. We need to put these three in a tra- in tracksuits. Like I really wish that we could. I really, really do. They're so fantastic. And I also agree that my personal highlight was Fujita and in a way. I really, really like their dynamic. I like the the heat between them. And it was just a lot of lot of hatred, a lot to prove. Um, you could really feel that. And that's something that I just like about in a way in general is that you can really feel how much he has to prove. And um, in everything he does, so you put him against someone with that equal kind of fire and it, it was just magical. And then Nakashima and Anzai were phenomenal. It's just a, um, it's just a really good match. Rookies versus rookies. I say it all the time is a fantastic match set up in general. And these guys have been doing it great uh, all year. And so now that we, now we get this sort of concentrated uh, version of that with uh, Hokuto thrown in doing doing his little thing and sort of piecing piecing it together was just really really good. Hokuto is becoming quite the character worker, which I also really enjoy. Um, that's something that I've noticed throughout the years, especially with the juniors, is that they're really sort of figuring out their characters, and you're starting to see that in Hokuto as well. And it's it's become really really enjoyable. I just want to say something, Mister Riohoya Oga. You know, there's a bit of a language barrier just in case you listen to this podcast, but, you know, New Japan, Oriyaza, Tanahashi, Kapika, and Shota Umino. So, you know, Giant Baba's door is open for you in the future to come. <laughs> you are more than welcome. I see a lot of dollars with that guy. So, yeah. Yeah, he's good. Like, they, I know we talked a lot about uh, Nakashima and Fujita, but Oil was real, also very impressive. Manabu Soya defeated Takao Mora in eight minutes and 40 seconds. This match was fine. I don't really have too many notes for this, but I did like that Keno was posting screenshots of this match on his Twitter to support Soya. But Rachel, you've got to help me out here because his last <laughs> tweet was so funny but kind of shady. He said, after all, if you want to watch wrestling, it's hashtag WrestleUniverse, hashtag yeah. high definition. So... Yeah, he's he's being a brat. Um, he has every single streaming service for wrestling and he like promotes them all. Uh, but he tries to only promote ones that show Noah. And um, like he'll do this throughout all of his shoe pros. He'll talk about like, oh, I saw this match on AJPW.tv, which is only 900 yet. Like he'll he'll do that um constantly and he'll, oh, I saw this on Samurai TV on demand. So he is um, sort of saying, yeah, like, go watch Wrestle Universe, go watch Pro Wrestling Noah. It's higher quality. 
um, HD quality because the streamer or the streaming service on AJPW TV is it's not the best. Uh, it's not the best stream, and we all know it. It's not the best website. So he's yeah, he's being a little shady there, and he's being a little bit of a jerk. <laughs> But, but he enjoyed the match. He said it was a good match. And he said that Soya was very cute. And he also said, hashtag, why is Nishinagan here? Which I thought was very funny. Keno said that? Yeah. Keno was like, hashtag, why is Nishinaga here? He knows why Nishinaga is there. He, he knew why. He knew why. He's just be. he's, yeah. He was on something. I don't know. He was just hanging out, watching wrestling all Christmas. So, which is relatable because I also did that. And there's your Keno factoids for the day. <laughs> Um, I like the match, but considering how good the Get Wild reunion was at Budokan and the, the big video package that they put on right before this match, I don't know, it felt a bit one-sided to me. Like, it was a lot of Soya offense, which, which is cool because he has great offense. But considering the hype going into it, I thought there would be more Omori comebacks, a bit more drama. And in the end, it was a pretty decisive Soya victory. So I don't know, is, is this the end of the Get Wild reunion story? Is there more to it? I don't know. I, I hope there's more because this seems kind of a flat finish for that uh, reunion story. My personal opinion is that there's more to go on about Kano's tweet than there was this match. Unfortunately, you know, I, I like these two wrestlers, but, you know, it was a bit frisky, a bit of a squash. But yeah, um, if you're listening to this and you never watched All Japan Pro Wrestling, and for some reason Kano's your favorite wrestler, you know, get get that subscription. And um, if someone from All Japan's listening to this, um, you need to fix up the quality. I was watching lovely high definition from the Gaura, you know, rip. Not not gonna, you know, but yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, Kano has a few points there. Yeah, he's got a few points. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. So yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, it was fine. I just uh, wish there was a little bit more, but yeah, like Captain Lou was saying, if it's, this is like the end, it's a bit of a mech ending. You know, they, they deserve better, especially with that tag team name as well. So yeah. I'm glad Smiley came on at the end of the year just to bury all Japan. It's good. It's good. Just, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully we'll we can start. Stuff. Hopefully we can start fresh at the beginning of the new year with him. So yeah, I actually have some thoughts about this match and I use battle news quite a bit to look up uh, stuff with All Japan because uh, it's in Japanese, the site. I can't on- honestly figure out their sort of, uh, you know, sometimes they have the most incredible All Japan coverage and I'm able to get like all of the post-match comments and all of the backstage comments, which is fantastic because obviously I don't understand Japanese. So I can- watching things, I don't know what they're saying, but if it's, I can get the text form, that's how I can get a lot of information they randomly did post the 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 post match and backstage comments for the soya and takawa mori match and i was really interested in in kind of getting a sense of what they were saying or at least what takawa mori was saying because i also like you guys was kind of confused by the match essentially takawa showed up to get his ass beat for eight minutes which was really weird to me because takawa is takawa and also he has a belt and soya is not signed to all japan so it just seemed like a little bit odd rachel and i were going back and forth about the japanese um from the battle news reports and takawa mori he he kind of paints it for himself like he's still chasing the wild like he needs to get back to that for himself which is just you know that's fine that makes sense for him and then when he's talking about soya he's talking as if you know, he wants Soya to also get back to and find his wild. And it's hard to necessarily say what 
his tone is when he's making the comments because that's going to change the Japanese. But you can, from the context clues of the match, probably assume, and I'm not saying it's necessarily like a big angle, but you can make the assumption that he believes that Soya has a lot more to give in wrestling right now in general, which kind of aligns, I think, a lot of people's thoughts about where Soya is right now in his career. He does great work within Congo, but I think a lot of us feel that he is just not doing that much within Noah. So there is that. So the backstage comments I thought were really interesting. So I think, you know, getting a win here over Takao, could it lead to something? Could it lead to more between these two as we're getting through the, the Get Wild reunion stuff? Maybe super hard to say right now. It was all a little bit vague in the end, but he definitely leaves you with the sense that he wants um, Soya to to find his wild again. And maybe we'll we'll continue to see this sort of evolve over time. I, I mean, I've said it before, I think, on the show, but I love Soya in Congo and I love his work in general. I think that he is um, unfairly kind of criticized for his work in Noah, but. I I don't think he's given enough to do in Noah, I think is also the big problem. I think that he could do a lot more if he was working for us in all Japan. So yeah, that's um, a big speech to basically say, maybe it's part of a larger angle. Maybe it's not, but Takao, I think wants him to find his wild again. Yeah. I, you, you said it perfectly. We had been going back and forth, whether we thought that um, Takao's comments were definitive or not, like you know, sending Soya off on his own. It's littered in puns. Um, he talks a lot about um, Kin or Khan and then um, Tsuyomi or Go. Like he he basically is making Congo puns the entire post-match comments when he's talking about Soya and talking about how if he were wild, he would be even more Congo. He would be even stronger, which is Go and then um, Golden, which is Khan. So he's like, you would be golden and strong if you became wild. So there's a, um, a definitely a connection that he's making between Congo and wild there, which I thought was really interesting and really fun. So it could be, you know, he's just sort of sending Soya on his way and, and telling him to go find his wild. Or like Alicia said, we could be leading to something else. When you look at the context clues of the match itself, it feels like they're leading to something else because Takao got his ass beat. It, it just felt like there needed to be more and that hopefully there will be more. And uh, Alicia raised a really good point about the fact that Takao has a belt. So we might be seeing something and, and seeing a challenge would be really, really cool. I would love to see that. So I want them to bring in Kondo so they can address whether Kondo is still in Voodoo Murders or in Congo or both. I, I, I want to see that answered. So I think I think it would just be fun. There would be some interesting things that they could do from here. You don't think Nassau is winning? Oh, you do? I kind of do. <laughs> I think it might be kind of like a, he's an all Japan um, belt farewell. Kind of like what they did to Tajiri and give him the all, all Asia title. And mm. then he drops it immediately. Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> But you do raise a point there. No, I'm I'm gonna keep my fingers crossed for more get wild. We'll just we'll just say that. Suama, Ozaki, Mayumi, and Maya Yuhiki defeated Suji Ishikawa, Yu, Chihiro Hashimoto in 18 minutes and four seconds. And I just love this match. It was so much fun. I love that these two teams didn't limit it to men versus men and women versus women, which was great. Hashimoto and Suama going at it at the start was so cool. Suama is a tall man. So him having to bend down just to grapple with Hashimoto was seriously such a sight. 
And, of course, the gut wrench powerbomb was impressive. Um, honestly, all the women in this match were so great. I'm so happy they got to show off to a different crowd and they seemed to really enjoy it and had the same thought as well. This is the first time I'm seeing Ozaki and Maya, and now I just want to watch more. And, of course, Team 200KG, I just want to watch more of them because they're just amazing. Um, everyone looked like they were having so much fun, especially Swam and Suji. They just looked like they were enjoying themselves so much. And the suplex to Suwama will live in my mind for like the rest of time. Yeah, that was really, really fun. And the, the main thing that surprised me here is that going into this match, I wasn't sure how Suwama would take to intergender wrestling. He, like he's such a grumpy bastard that I was afraid he would no-sell everyone and it wouldn't work. And he just proved me wrong. He, he worked really well with Ashimoto, made her look amazing. Yeah, the whole match was just super fun. Uh, there was a... I think there was a spot where Ishikawa gets choked by Maya and he see, it seemed to me like he was enjoying it a bit too much, but maybe it's just <laughs> me. I don't know. Um, but yeah, just that's, that's all I have to say. It was really, really fun. This was a, this was a cool match. You know, uh, I think it's kind of uh, fit the theme of the show, you know, like a light, lighthearted fun pro wrestling show. Um, don't know if anyone noticed, but you know, Suama was quite a quite an obedient fella to Maya Yuki and my own Ozaki. So yeah, that was quite fun to watch. You know, he didn't want to get on their bad side, otherwise he would have been on the end of those whips or something like that. And um, also, I just want to point out um, this is kind of something that's probably uh, later to do with the show. But yeah, Suama's uh, jacket that he was wearing in the VTR so good. I need I need him to drop that link. As soon as possible. I uh, completely agree with Smiley. That jacket in the vignette that Suama did um, with his team before the match was actually excellent and one of Suama's best looks this year. A man with many great looks, actually. Surprisingly, one of the best people, one of the best dressed people, rather, in all Japan. Yeah, this match was amazing. I did not think we were going to get a BDSM match on Christmas Day in Korokin, but I'm glad they did it. I thought it was really cool. And like Lou, I was super, um, I just didn't know if Suwama was really gonna, gonna lean into the intergender stuff in the match. I really didn't know what that was gonna look like. I was kind of nervous about it. And he, I wish that we had that, that fucking energy from that guy in real world tag league. Like if he had just brought a little bit of that energy into the tournament for his own company this year, can you imagine what that would have turned out to be? But no, this match was just like fun and like perfect. And I keep thinking about like, what is it? Like the Evo girls, like the, the girls that Suwama and uh, Shuji are going to be working with. I don't think you need to do this super, super often, but like it would be really nice to have some intergender stuff, I think on the All Japan cards, once they really get that stuff kind of off the ground and launched, like that could just be really interesting and really fun. Just something, you know, different to do on um, some of the all Japan cards like that. So yeah, I've never seen, I don't really watch any Joshi. So all of these women, while I know their faces from just being on Twitter and seeing people talk about them, I've never seen them work. I walked away wanting to see more of their work, which is always really cool, but yeah, just really had a good time watching this, loved it. And I don't really care for like dog collar match type of stuff, but I don't know. They made this seem kind of fun. It was just, I, I learned a lot during this match. <laughs> yeah, this, this match was really exceptional. It was very fun. Um, there wasn't a single part of this match where I wasn't just grinning ear to ear the whole time. Um, they just, the tag team dynamics that they had going on there were just impeccable. The aesthetics of both teams were great. 
and they just all worked really well together. And like you guys said, they really showcased the women in this match. They really focused on that and got them in front of a new crowd. And it, yeah, it was exciting. I had never actually seen Ozaki work before. So that was really fun. Um, Maya Yukihi, I had become a fan of through her work in DDT, uh, same actually with Hashimoto. So um, seeing both of them again was fun. Seeing them in intergender matches, always really great. So yeah, it was it was just a really fun match. And it was, yeah, couldn't ask for a better BDSM match on Christmas. That I think is probably a singular genre, but um, I couldn't have asked for a better one. You know, I've had an idea in my mind. I'm all for, you know, rebranding the Triple Crown Championship as the Quadruple Crown Championship, just to allow, you know, you and uh, Chihiro Hashimoto to come and, you know, suplex some more lads on their domes. Absolutely. No, we need that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just one more thing I want to mention, that Suji and Team 200 KG have a tag team name, which is Team 333 KG. When this match announced, Suji tweeted, I will lose 30 kilos by the day and make it Team 300 kilos. And in brackets, he wrote lie. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. In the last match, we had Jake Lee, Yuma Oyagi, Sanada, and Bushi versus Kento Mehara, Asuki Oyagi, Tachi, and Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and that went to a 30-minute draw in Jake Lee's last All Japan match. Now, I have some issues with this match, but I will start with the positives. Bushi on commentary was very nice to see him included in the last uh, show of the year. Yuma, Tachi, and Bushi, and Asuki got to continue their little feuds, and all four looked really good. Kento hugging Kanemaru for helping him out was hilarious. And the fans who made all the Jake Lee signs and handed them out, they were just like, they were the real MVP of the day. It actually came okay. from like one fan, the Jake Lee signs. And then there was like a group of them that did some other things. And then there was a lot of people in attendance at the show and then not in attendance at the show who all donated to the flower stands in the lobby for Jake. So it really was like a true community effort for Jake on his last match in all Japan. And I just really want to highlight that this was completely fan driven. This is what they wanted to do for Jake, um, which I think is really important and really special. That's really lovely. Thank you for sharing that. My problem with this match is it didn't feel special to be Jake Lee's last match. I know um, Lou, in your review, you said, the exact same thought I was thinking that Jake Lee seemed like a secondary character or like a side character in this match. He didn't really have that much of an impact. If I had it my way, I would have swapped this match in the 21st. So the 21st match will be Jake Lee's last match. Um, the New Japan guys were fun, but I don't think they were exactly needed. They added um, fuel to the fire that Jake Lee could be heading to New Japan, which I see everywhere all the time. And we didn't need another 30 minute draw considering we had one in the last show. Um, and this one's just um, me being petty, but like he had no interaction with Kento. Like when Zeus left, um, Kento and um, Zeus just like hugged it out and handshake. But I was like waiting for something to happen between Kento and Jake, and nothing did. I was just like, why do this to me on Christmas Day? This should be my Christmas present. Yeah, I felt pretty much the same about this match, as in it was fine as like this interpromotional fan service match, but as the final Jake Lee match, it it felt weird. Weirdest part of it for me was that Jake Lee's been doing the Paradise Lock for like months now, hoping to like uh, pop Sanada, I guess, or like impress him. I don't know. He finally does it in this match and Sanada could not care less. It was, it, it just felt sad. And it, to me, it added to the 
weirdness of the match. It going 30 minutes uh, just wasn't needed. I just can't believe like Kanemaru or Bushi couldn't take a fall here. I mean, come on, they, they, they for sure could have. I I'm really I want to hear Alicia's thoughts on the post match with Jake leaving and doing the Kento chant because to me uh, I'm still processing that I don't know uh, I don't know how I feel about it it seemed to be a weird note to end like, like this was supposed to be Jake's final moment in all Japan and in the end he sort of made it about Kento. Um, I don't know. A lot of uh, weirdness in this match. Smiley, I'm going to jump ahead of you to address Lou's question, and then we'll jump back to you, my friend. So um, this match is interesting. I don't feel as bad about it as Jesse and Lou do. I'll say right off the bat. There's a couple of things. I'll answer Lou's question first about ending on the, the Miyahara Kento chant. I actually don't mind him doing that because in their comments to each other from the next stream match through here, they are still preserving the rivalry and what Kento has sort of asked Jake to do. And what Jake has promised to do himself is that they are going to be at the forefront of the wrestling world together, just in different places. And there's always the sense with, you know, with Jake having stood so long in, in uh, Kento's shadow, that mocking Miyahara Kento chant like there's a bitterness to that, but that's such an inherent part of the rivalry, right? So I think ending on that note is, um, to me, was not a bad thing at all. He's just keeping it going. He's keeping that part of the rivalry going and preserving that aspect of the rivalry. Would it have been nicer for them to end on a more sentimental note? Maybe, but we already got that. We got that when Jake beat him for the Triple Crown. And then we got that again when Kento made, I think, some of the most sentimental and emotional comments he's ever made about anybody to him at Royal Road, which to me was unprecedented. And um, if you remember at the end of Royal Road, he said to him, you know, you and me, Jake, we have a destiny. You and me were meant to make all Japan bigger together. And I am still processing why he said that then and what he knew, because I think the timeline of this, of like when people knew Jake was leaving, Yuma claims he wasn't told until the start of Real World Tag League. I don't believe him. The company is saying they knew in September. I don't believe them either. I think people knew for quite a while. Um, so Kento's comments at Royal Road make that much more apparent to me. I don't think people wanted him to go, right? So I think we got a lot of that kind of sentimental stuff between them in the summer. And then here with the next stream show and then moving into this final very odd show, um, the Christmas show him ending it on the chant and being a little bit mocking, I think it's fine because their promise to each other is that they're going to leave the wrestling world from different companies and they'll see each other again. Hopefully next time they see each other, Jake is at the forefront of whatever company he's going to be leading. And that's the note that I think that I'm taking from it. Hopefully that, that helps, or at least makes, you know, I don't know, maybe that facilitates some different thoughts, but that's what I've taken from it. I think to end on a, any other way would maybe be a little bit disingenuous especially because of um you know to me with the, the show it doesn't bother me because it's almost like how I talk about like Shiazaki's fourth reign I'm sorry I use it as an example for everything but it's just where I go so the Shiazaki's fourth reign the last match is Sugira I don't care about the Mudo match I know the last match is Mudo it doesn't matter the last match is Sugira so with Jake yeah the the Christmas show match was weird everybody was being weird but 
his real final match was the next stream match. Those four made it feel like that was his final match. Yuma coming out and being very visibly emotional and we never see him act like that. And then the four of them with their comments to each other in the ring, that was the final Jake match. You don't even, you don't have to keep the Christmas match in canon. We had a BDSM match just (laughs) before it. You don't need to keep the Christmas match in canon. It's fine. But no, it's, it's super valid to feel this way. Everybody was super weird. I said this to, I think Rachel, when I was, when I was watching it, I was like, everybody is so weird. And like, it, I, I think like the one of the weirder parts was watching Sonata and Bushi interact with Jake because Bushi had no time and patience for Jake. Not a, no, no time. I had to go back and look this up. And I actually have a screenshot in my phone that I'll share with people later. I forgot about this because it happened forever ago. But Bushi and Sonata have had a match with Jin. They had a match with Jake and Iwamoto. So I don't know if they're carrying over like some weirdness intention from that and they're playing on that. But like, I don't know. That, that happened like a hundred years ago. Who remembers that match? Nobody remembers that match. Um, so you have that part of it. I did think that like you, you kind of got some like fun, like moments in it, like, uh, especially like they, everyone really enjoyed bullying Otsuki. So you did get a lot of interesting moments for that. I will say on it, like Tai Chi shoot pissed off. I think every all Japan fan at that show with his comments afterward, because he kind of buried all Japan like on the way out with like, oh, well, like no one watches all Japan now. There's like three people here and everybody lost their minds on Twitter in the aftermath of that and thought it was like super disrespectful because it was the Christmas day show. And also it was Jake's last show for all Japan. And just people did not take those comments. Well, I thought they were funny, but like (laughs) no one else took these comments. Well, I thought there was like some cool stuff between Jake and Kanemaru. And if you just watch like, you know, the little like Easter egg moments, like I thought Yuma like kicking Sonata in the face so that he could get the tag in to then get back at Tai Chi. Like that stuff I think worked really well. And I loved Yuma interacting with Tai Chi because like Tai Chi has been clowning him since Yuma was a rookie. So it's nice to have those guys interacting again and stuff like that. It was a really weird match. There's no getting around that, (laughs) but um. Kento and Jake to circle back to the post-match comments did still have what they said to each other was, was really nice. And what Jake said specifically, he talked about this year for himself and he talked about coming back from injury and struggling at points and feeling quite low, but it was like the all Japan personnel and the fans and, you know, helped him kind of get through this year. He specifically referenced actually the Budokan loss and like these low points for him during the year, but like all Japan personnel and the fans like helped like, you know, pick him up and like carry him through the year. And that was like what he ended on because the thing that Jake keeps talking about too on um, Twitter is that like, he feels very lucky right now in his life to have such like, to have people that care about him and that are helping him in his life. And he keeps repeating the sentiment over and over again, especially as he gets through um, his process of nationalizing as well in his quest to get his passport and do all that stuff. So Sorry for the long-winded comments, but yes. Thank you very, very much for those fantastic thoughts. Smiley, did you have anything you wanted to say about this match? Yeah, this was a this was a weird match. It felt like um, um, like a how do you say it? like a highlights of the singles matches between certain wrestlers, just like split across the thirty minutes. But yeah, uh, Jake did feel like a bit of an afterthought in this, but you know. Uh, that's fine. I think with like the post-match comment stuff, it's more of a, not like a, how do you say it? Like a, it's, not, it's not a goodbye for now, but it's like a see you later thing. 
So, you know, obviously, like Alicia was saying, you know, the story's not over yet. So that's probably why Jesse didn't get her closure. So, but so yeah, so hopefully that's uh, made her happier. But yeah, I just want to, I just want to shoot another wrestling shot. I'm here to shoot some wrestling shots. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Sanada, so yeah, there's a, uh, there's a lot of uh, unfinished business for you in All Japan Pro Wrestling. You came through the dojo. You're the first guy a TV champion. You left. You never come back. You know, there's a, there's a big gap now. So, you know, feel free to come back and, you know, insert yourself and uh, take yourself to where you should be at the very top of pro wrestling. I did actually look it up because I, I, I did like Sonata and Kento together and they've never had a singles match. So oh. that is a match I am... Uh, I'm very interested in seeing. So I agree with Smiley. I would like to see Sonata back in his home promotion. Yeah, that's enticing. This, Yeah, that's that's a really uh, enticing thought right there. Uh, but yeah, yeah, sorry, Jesse. You're probably going to have to wait a few years to get that closure. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you'll get it. You you will. I feel it in my bones. We'll, we'll get it in like five years and it will be incredible. No, I, I really liked what Alicia was saying about this match not like not being, I guess, canon or being almost an epilogue to um, the beautiful ending that was the next dream match. And that was sort of the, um, he can now say goodbye in that way that preserves the rivalry that he can sort of do that sarcastic um, chanting because he had that beautiful moment um, with everyone in next dream where he, he tells them, you know, we'll meet again someday. And so now you've, he can move forward into this fun interpromotional match and sort of have that kind of sarcastic cheeky goodbye uh, to Kento. That isn't really a goodbye. So I really, really like that point that you brought up Alicia. So that, that was, that was fantastic for me. Yeah. The, this match, I think you guys said it all. It was fine. It was fun. Everyone was sort of not really off their game, but, but definitely in, in kind of this weird uh, state where I felt like maybe there was something I missed, but it was, it was a fun match. I don't know that it had to go 30 minutes, but I guess that's things that, that we're not privy to, um, the booking decision there. Uh, so I, I, I raised my hands, wiped my hands of that one, but I don't necessarily think it should have gone 30 minutes. That's my opinion. So everyone's, everyone seems to be agreeing with me. They're all shaking their heads. So we're, yeah. We're all going at 30 is a political decision. That's the thing. Yeah. That's that's it's the thing about political. the that's that's yeah. it's, it's, it's it's completely political, even though Bushi could yeah. have eaten the pen six times, but whatever. It's fine. Okay. I, I didn't want to sound too like heated for saying that it was a political decision, but it definitely felt like it. So thank you, Alicia. Um, uh, but yeah, other than that, I thought the match was fun. So I think we're all on the same page on that one. Um, after the match, Alex Rain on Twitter translated what he said, and he said, so much happened in our 50th anniversary. In the 51st year, you will see a new world by me. Next year, I'll have the TC belt from Kento. And Taichi, I choose you as a first TC challenger. This year was supposed to be his era. Next year, his new world. So hopefully the new world is going to be better than his era. So now we move on to our All Japan End of Year Awards. And I did ask some people on All Japan Twitter community to help us out and give us their picks for some of these awards. So a big thank you to them. So we're going to start with Junior Match of the Year. And I have an honorable mention, which is all of Hikaru Sato's defenses, except for the Tiger Mask one, because I couldn't stand that match. Um, but my Junior Match is, of course, Asuki Oyagi and Ryzen Haito. I banged on about this match for so long that people are probably sick of me talking about it, but I'm going to do it again. So you're going to have to listen. 
I just loved this match. The first time the juniors main evented Coke and Horse since 2013. These two went all out and Kento on commentary going insane, just elevated this match to another level. And this will be the junior feud going forward. I have that one as my number two pick for all the reasons that Jesse mentioned. Uh, my number one pick is kind of a dark horse pick, I guess, but I have Hikaru Sato defending the title against Black Mansori during the Champion Carnival mm -hmm. Tour. I think a lot of people forgot that this match even happened. Uh, it, it was pretty wild. It was nothing like any Black Mansori match you've ever seen. They just beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, go go out and see that one. It's it's a surprising match. It's a black mentory match with a lot of shoot headbutts, which is not something you're going to see often. Uh, so check that one out. So with what I ended up going with, Rachel convinced me it was fine to say it because it's nearly not, I think, what other people are going to say. But, well, I'll say it, Mike. If I had a runner-up, I would definitely talk about Hikaru Sato versus Yusuke Kodama. I feel like Kodama is just another guy who's just such a good hand And when he's in a match, you can usually depend on him doing something just horrifying that really sets the tone for the match. But I, I really loved that defense and I thought it was great. But the match that I put as my match of the year is Hikaru Sato versus Atsuki Ayagi from February 5th, um, Ediana Arena Osaka number two, which is like probably the least popular um, Sato or Atsuki match to put down. But that to me is where the junior division really started this year is with that match. And I, you know, have always kind of come back to it and thought about it. And I think it'll, you know, be an important starting point too, for what those two are building uh, to as well. So, yeah. Smiley, what was your uh, junior match of the year? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the obvious pick, you know, uh, I've probably spilled a bit too many hot takes. So on this podcast, so I'm going to go <laughs> with the obvious one, you know, uh, the Hayato Atsuki, you know, the boat, Young as hell, you know, main event in Korokan Hall, 50th anniversary. You know, the pressure's on them and they like they delivered in spades. But uh, I want to give a special shout out to uh, Atsuki versus Hikaru Sato from the first day of the Junior Battle of Glory because that was freaking really good. Like, he literally won in the last, I think it's 10 seconds or something like that. And uh, the match that Captain Lou mentioned, the uh, Sato versus Menzore match from the Champion Carnival Tour, which wasn't even supposed to happen, but it still was amazing. Yeah, I actually had forgotten about that Sato Mensure match. So thank you for mentioning it because that made me want to go rewatch it because that match was really good. No, mine was also um, Alicia's pick. So Atsuki Aoyagi versus Hikaru Sato from February 5th. I, um, yeah, that match to me kickstarted my love for the All Japan Juniors. I'm a fairly new watcher to all Japan. So it sort of set the tone of the matches I came to expect from them all year. It got me really invested in Atsuki as a future ace. So it's, it's just been a joy to watch him get to that point throughout the year. And so it just felt very narratively satisfying looking back on the match and, and it, even watching that match for the first time, I felt that it was going to be something that it was going to lead to something. And the match itself is fantastic. It's an eight minute banger. There's no reason not to go watch it. So it's, and it's just really fun stuff. It marks what makes a lot of these all Japan house shows and these little shows great because you never know what you're going to get. Like you might just find a gem. Uh, so yeah, check it out. So other picks for this match was Dr. Jonathan picked Aski versus Hayato. Lewis picked Hikaru Sato versus Yusuke Kodama. Desuari picked Aski Oyagi versus Hikaru Sato in the Junior Battle of Glory. 
Comba picked Asuki versus Hayato, and Dylan picked Akara Sato versus Black Mensa Ray. Okay, so now we move to heavyweight match of the year. And there were so many good matches I wanted to give an honorable mention to, but I just limited it to three because I could change it at any time and I could just fill out this whole page with matches I thought were just so great. Um, Jake versus Juma, the CC finals. Ashino versus Honda, last man standing match. And Jake and Namora versus Kento and Yuma. I know that match is so recent, but I just, I just loved it so much. But my heavyweight match of the year is Jake Lee versus Kento Miyahara at Champions Night 4. It was just the perfect ending to their long story. And to see Jake just so happy after winning was just heartwarming. And the moments he spent with Kenta Kobashi were just so special to him. You could just see how special it was to him. And the words Jake said to Kento after the match, they were just so special. Uh, I'm going to go with the Champion Carnival Finals as my All Japan Match of the Year. For me, it was the match that proved that All Japan, at least from a match quality standpoint, could do big, uh, big match tournament finals without Kento. And I'm saying this as a massive Kento fan, but Jake and Yuma proved that they belonged in that spot. They could have a match that would be as good as any big Kento tournament final. Yuma looked like a star. Um, now that Jake is gone, I think the match is even more special when you look back on it. Um, yeah, that was my favorite from this year. I have Kento versus Naoya Nomura for a triple crown as my runner-up. I think these two together are always magic, and this was no exception. So uh, for my singles match, I'm going to go with the Champion Carnival final. You know, for me, it was a... Uh, more about the context as well. I was uh, I, I slept from twelve till three in the morning just so I could watch this whole show live. And then when this match was happening, my dad literally came downstairs and asked me why the hell I'm still awake. And I'd had no care in the world. I was just you know too invested in this match. You know, seeing uh, seeing you Matt get that big win like it was it was nice to see because uh, heading into it, I had a bit a bit of a doubt. You know, I thought Jake was gonna win, but uh, yeah. You know, it was it was nice to see Yuma finally get his crowning moment. And like Tadri is like uh, Jake didn't have the best of tournaments, so it was nice to performance from him to show. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm I'm still a great wrestler even if I've haven't had the best of tournaments. And like uh, Captain Lou said, you know, I think that was, this was like the first big final in a long time that had no Kento, and that just showed, you know, all Japan is more than just Kento Miyahara. So yeah, my my answers are not going to be any different. I also talked about both of these matches on kickouts end of the year, but if I had a runner-up, it would definitely be Kento Miyahara versus Naoya Nomura, uh, September 19th in Korokin. And then my match of the year would be Jake Lee versus Yuma Aoyagi, the champion carnival final May 4th in Korokin as well. Yeah, if you want my full thoughts on those, you can you can head over to the kickout end of the year and hear me talk about them there, but... I don't even know how to follow Smiley and Lou because I mean, everything they said about Jake and, and Yuma is um, completely true. Um, it was special that we got that level of a tournament final without Kento needing to be involved. I really felt like, um, like Smiley was saying that it was not really a strong tournament for him in the first half. He was just coming off of injury and then coming into this tournament and the first half was a little bit weaker. And then he pulled it together for the second half and got into this final and was just pitch perfect. And 
just everything that he did, the limb work was fantastic. Everything with his character was fantastic. He nailed the tone. And then Yuma gave us, I think, one of the best moments of the year and popped that cork and crowd that weren't even allowed to make noise. And it was completely deserved. It is um, an extraordinary match that um, as I've started to watch it a little bit more in the later part of this year, um, I find something new to like about it every time I put it on. So I cannot recommend it more. I also recently rewatched that match because uh, Alicia had been like gifting it and it made me want to rewatch it. And it, it's just a perfect wrestling match. It, it's, it's just perfect. Um, however, it was not my match of the year and that would go to, and this is so predictable for me, but it was Shotaro Ashino versus Riki Honda, uh, March 21st uh, for champions night three. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's everyone's nodding. Um, yeah. I've talked about this match nonstop. It was just one of my favorite matches of the year. It easily my favorite in all Japan. It showed off Ashino just to his core. It just it, the finish with him kicking out all the chairs and stripping the ring down himself down to these bare basics, which are just these brutal suplexes one after another. And it's just a sight to behold. And of course the rest of the match is great. You have my favorite moment with uh, Ryuki Honda and his knife. I talk about that on the kickout end of year episode, but yeah, this match is just a, a, a good star making moment for both of them. And uh, just a very good character moment for Honda. And yeah, I can't say enough good things about it. So other people's picks, we had Dr. Jonathan said Kento versus Jake champions like four. Lewis said Ashino and Honda versus Suji and Sato from Champions Night 4. Deswari said Kento and Tanahashi versus Jake Lee and Tachi from the Korokan Hall 60th um, anniversary. And Compa and Dylan both said Jake and Yuma CC finals. Okay, now it's best tag team of the year. And everyone can get ready to bully me again because I'm going to say Shoto Ashino and Ricky Honda. You already <laughs> bullied me on Kicker end of year. So. <laughs> It's okay. They're my favorite sunglass wearing pair. When Smiley was on before, I did feel bad because I said I didn't think it was their time to win the belts. And I'm here to say I was completely wrong. Um, everybody else was right. I was wrong with it. <laughs> they just have been such a great tag team. Yeah, they are my pick as well. Uh, I think they had a great tag team run. When you look back, you had the Twin Towers match, the Strong Hearts match, the Get Wild match. And most importantly, I think they had the best ever match of the Saito brothers since coming back, like easily. Um, so that's a feat in itself. I think they would have kept going in 2023. So it sucks that Ashino got injured, but I think we'll get maybe some more singles opportunities for Honda coming up uh, because of the injury. I'm going to go with the obvious as well. I've been a bit quiet about my boys, but you know, they delivered in spades for this tag team title. Like literally, everything they did t- turned to gold. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna forget about that Voodoo Burners match. That's just gonna be erased from existence. You know, gonna put in a request from Cage Match as well to you know forget the Voodoo Murders vein. But yeah, everything like even um, so the the Strong Hearts match as well. That no one really talked about that, but that's actually a really good match. The Auto Ward Twin Towers tag match. You know that just shows. Uh, Ashino's rise from being like the understudy to the main guy in his tag team. No, he didn't give up. Him and Honda won, and they won because of him. And uh, obviously, as well, the um, Nippon Budokan match, you know, the world tag titles get wild from freaking the best, probably best tag team ever. And uh, obviously, the moment after where they were, you know, crowned by those two themselves. So it doesn't, it doesn't get better than that. You know, that's what pro wrestling is all about. 
Yeah, perfect sentiments. I mean, my, my pick is the same. It could never be anyone other than Shotaro Ashino and Ryuki Honda, Gunier of Anarchy. Their smiley kind of perfectly illustrate this, but their year is just full of moments. And it really starts with Honda at the beginning of 2022, walking into that tournament for the vacant Triple Crown and giving us some incredible moments there and proving that he is someone that we probably should have been paying much more attention to at the start. And then um, trying to stab Ashino, which somehow led to them working together. I don't, I still don't know quite how that works, but in the end, it, it sort of worked beautifully. And to me, um, apparently I'm a Tospo guy now. I don't know why they um, were not considered this year. And it really frustrates me because they deserved to be considered for the quality of work and how seamless they are as a team. I mean, just two people that mesh perfectly and it's really really hard there's great tag team wrestling and there's great tag teams but to mesh the way that they those two just mesh is is rare and um is hard to find and I just think that they've um they've been extraordinary and even in a a rough real world tag league this year they were pulling the best matches easily before Ashino's unfortunate injury took him out these two just have um the year is littered with just an incredible body of work from them. And um, they are actually a great, I think, jumping in point. If you're interested in watching all Japan, but don't really know what you want to watch. I think Ashino and Honda are actually um, a pretty good anchor point. Yeah. That's an interesting point. My, we are unanimous. Everybody did pick the same pick. So mine was also uh, Ashino and Honda. I thought I was going to rib you guys by pretending it was somebody else at first, but no, I, I can't do that in good conscience. Um, yeah, it's you guys said everything. Um, I, I like that point though, Alicia, that they're a good jumping in point. I think uh, that's that's probably a good because you can sort of see their tag team form and how it's built, and all their matches are um, all their matches are bangers. So I, th- I think that's a really good point to uh to put out there is that if you're interested in all japan and you you need a gateway you need something to get you into it you might want to look into them i like that okay now it's time for the breakout star for me honorable mention goes to the rookies yuma anzai and ryu inue but my pick has to be rising Hayato. just looking at him from january to now he seems like a completely different wrestler his gimmick change has passed with flying colors he's just got in so much better and he's now a major part of the junior division yeah this one i couldn't decide so i had to break it down in subcategories but i have a rising hayato as most improved exactly like jesse mentioned i have anzai as biggest impact and i think that rio inoue might turn out to be the just best wrestler from all of these three so, uh, yeah, pick your favorite between one of these three. I think they're all worth investing some time into. And, yeah, they're going to be great. Yeah, um, I'm going on a bit of a different approach, but uh, mine's going to be Honda. Like, for me, it has to be him. You know, uh, you could say he was probably last year's, but for me, it's this year, like the, the leap he took from like a rookie to like a mid, mid-card kind of guy especially in the situation he was put in, you know, just speaks like volumes as to how good he is as a talent, you know, he was uh, put in with the three of the best wrestlers in the world, two certified legends in all Japan. And like he delivered, especially with that match against Kento, like the poise for a 21 year old to main event Korokan Hall for a triple crown championship, you know, which has, you know, more history than he has 
well, well, has been around longer than he has. So yeah, and obviously with the tag title run that we just mentioned, for me, like it has to be him. Yeah, this is like a tough, one of the tougher categories. And I think I struggled in the same way as like Lou did, but I ultimately went with the choice I went with at the on the kickout end of year as well. I, I stuck with Rio anyway because uh, we've talked about it ad nauseum on this show, but it's just the way that each time he performs, he is a better wrestler. And I think that that is just so, just extraordinary. I, I don't know. I don't know how they found him, but he is just um, he is just remarkable. And um, I've talked about this at length as well, but I think for him, the struggle is always going to be now. You know, he is more of the junior heavyweight. Yoma Anzai has come in and has garnered a lot of attention because he is the heavyweight. They are kind of making him follow the path of like Suwama and he's come from Chuo University and that's Suwama and Jumbo Saruda's alma mater. And he's got a lot of like pedigree and that's going to give him a lot of attention. But Rio Inoue has shown so rapidly that he is going to um, refuse to let you forget him. And um, he's going to work, I think, very, very hard to keep you uh, or to keep himself rather front in front of mind as we progress into 2023. So I'm really excited to see how that develops for him. But just in terms of someone who could, you know, just pick up a new skill and almost perfect it on the next show, I think that's extraordinary. So um, I needed to make him the breakout wrestler of the year. Yeah, I um, had said Riki Honda for my breakout wrestler of the year on the kickout end of year. If you guys had listened to that, if not, you should go listen to it. It's very, very good. But um, I, I wanted to do something a little bit different just for uh, Talking Triple Crown end of year, just because there were so many fantastic breakout wrestlers that I you know, really hadn't looked at. And uh, for this one, I, I debated back and forth uh, between Hayato and Inoue. And I actually decided on Rio Inoue uh, for the reasons that um, Alicia had mentioned. It's just, he's, he's amazing. He took to himself instantly he he sort of once the kick boy kicked in um it's it's sort of just all registered for him and now he just looks incredible and he has such confidence and um this like chip on his shoulder which is just so compelling and he he could really become one of the best wrestlers in all japan very very quickly great at storytelling and has just a really compelling character already and and he's so 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 uh new at this so i'm just i'm thrilled i i'm thrilled to watch more of him and that's to me what makes a great breakout wrestler so now is best show of the year and mine was champions i3 i absolutely love this show kobayashi and dan tomorrow holding hands just warms my heart ashima honda had amazing last man standing match you got kicked in the butt literally jake's return match where he debuted his moonsault became like a flip boy <laughs> And Kento defeated Ishikawa in a fantastic triple crown match. It was just uh, top to bottom, a great show. I'm going to have to go with the Budokan show because it, mm-hmm. it didn't have the best matches of the year, but just the sheer event of it, All Japan making it back to the Budokan and all of the young wrestlers getting showcase matches, I think was really important, really cool. Uh, good match between Suwama and Kento. Um, yeah, that's my pick. Um, I haven't really rewatched a lot of stuff from All Japan, but I think the one that stands out for me was probably Champions Night 4. Like, uh, the whole card itself was, you know, really, really good. Like, it was a great, good showcase for a lot of people for, who have probably never watched All Japan or who haven't watched it since, you know, the uh, the COVID outbreak. But 
Yeah, apart from the two, I think two voters, Fudu Motors matches, it was probably the best All Japan show this year. It's like the most complete show, anyways. I'm sticking with my outside pick of the Royal Road opener, which was on August 7th in Corican. I just really enjoyed watching that. I don't get to watch a lot of shows live, but I watched that one live. And that one had had Yuma Aoyagi versus Naoya Nomura on it, which I really, really loved. It also had Takuya Nomura versus Atsuki Aoyagi, which um, is a great match. And it also had Kento and that whole angle with Taru and then him literally tormenting a child in the first row. And that's the All Japan experience in one show. You get just incredible matches and then Kento just like having a meltdown. That's the All Japan experience. I can't sum it up better than actually that Royal Road opener. Yeah, I was I was a little unhinged. And you're right, though. That is sort of the, the experience. Mine was also Champions Night 3. Uh, it was just, it was a great match. It, it really um, sparked. I mean, I I'd already been watching All Japan pretty regularly for a few months at that point, but it, it really got my interest and um, got me, I guess, got my attention. It, it just really excited me. And I think it excited a lot of people. There was a lot of buzz about it online. And that to me is just, um, it was really standout. The card was just really good and, and I loved it. And I actually, I think I watched the show twice. I liked it so much. So, uh, yeah. So for our next award, we have Fashion Moment of the Year. And I was really hoping to give it to Ashino and his random grills because I did give it to him for media awards, but they haven't reappeared. So I can't. We've already talked about this, but my pick is Suwama and his fantastic voodoo murders fashion. Like when he's not a voodoo murder, his fashion is just so boring. He always wears the same suit. This time he brings out like his um, party Hawaii gear shirts. <laughs> like the jacket he wore when he did the video with um, Ozaki and Maya were, was amazing. And I need it like right now. I'm also going to go with Suwama, uh, spe- especially for there was a press conference for the January Korakuen shows. I think the jacket he had was the exact same jacket you're referencing here. Just a crazy multicolored jacket. Looks like something Ikemanjiro would wear in a wrestling match. Just spectacular. Just a well-dressed man. Inspiring choices all around. Yeah, so uh, I think uh, mindful inside the ring will be uh, Kento Miyahara. You know, his, uh, he had his normal gear and then the Budokan gear just stepped up a notch like... Uh, the feathers on the um, like his coat just looks so good, and then uh, outside the drink, obviously has to be uh, the Mr. Suwama himself. You know, just the colorful man. You know, showing us a side of him that we never thought we'd see. You know, uh, Voodoo Murders can go, but I hope Voodoo Murders Suwama stays just for his Hawaiian shirts and multicolored jackets. As long as he sends uh, the link for those. Um, stuff so yeah the thing that kills me about suwama is that on his instagram he doesn't keep kayfabe so he just looks like a normal boring old man but voodoo murder suwama um has the coolest fashion it's great he's a he's just a man of of layers but um i struggled with this because i kind of wanted to give it to ryuki honda and his suit but he, like they're they're all guilty of only wearing the same suit to every press <laughs> conference. So I wound up when I was going through my Twitter earlier trying to think about this. I just wound up going with Suwama because that jacket in the vignette was like enough to push me right over the edge. So that definitely goes to Suwama. And then if I'm picking somebody in ring, it definitely goes to Yuma Aoyagi. His 
new gear that he debuted when he was fighting Kento for the Triple Crown and post-champion Carnival to me was just fantastic. The blue glitter in that vest is uh, excellent. Yeah, looks like uh, Suwama ran away with this one. So, <laughs> but mine was also Voodoo Murder Suwama uh, for outside of the ring. Inside of the ring, I also chose Yumao Yagi. I thought that the applique is gorgeous and I love the blue and the gold. And then with the black, it's, it's beautifully made. I love the vest. I think it's sort of a little more unique than most gear. So yeah, I definitely, definitely preferred Yuma. Now for favorite moment of the year, I went back and forth so much with this. It was either Jake winning the triple crown or Yuma winning the um, champion carnival. And right now I think I have to go with Yuma winning. He's my favorite wrestler. Seeing your favorite wrestler win a whole big tournament is just the best feeling and especially because I thought he wasn't going to win at all I had no hope in him I feel bad for saying that but I really didn't so just to see him win was just such a fantastic moment same for me just the ultimate feel-good moment uh he looked great the Korakuen exploded it was it was perfect um and he looked like a future triple crown champion so uh, what more can you ask for for me, it's not like really a moment, but you know, the whole um, day when they run, uh, you know, the Nippon Budok kind of just like special. Like, uh, if you were just looking through like Tiger Kitara's uh, Twitter, he was posting like little, he was posting photos of random places in the Budok. I was like, oh, Hansen and Brody used to be here. Baba was talking to freaking Kawada here, or whatever. And then obviously, like, uh, just the show itself, like, obviously, you know. The viewing experience was wasn't great, no. But um, I think everyone who watched it like left it with a great deal of satisfaction and with just, you know happiness, which is you no know, something that we want from our pro wrestling. So yeah, that's mine. Uh, my favorite moment is Jake Lee defeating Kento Miyahara for the Triple Crown, bringing a critical chapter of their rivalry to a close and saying to Kento post match, "I became what I am now because you are here. Thank you." And that was from June 19th. And the translation is from Alex Rain. Um, I spoke about this at length too on the kickout end of year episode, but this um, meant everything to me to see this finally. This was a long time coming. And I did not think Jake was going to win until they played that package. And they were playing the package and I went like, oh my God, like there's just like, he'll, he's going to win, but like, how can that be? And then he won. And um, that really didn't feel real. And there was such a juxtaposition between his palpable joy in that moment compared to what we saw when he won champion carnival and when he won the triple crown for the first time, which was admits so much chaos going on um, for him, for the promotion, for Japan, for the world. And Everything that came after is so meaningless when he finally got to have that moment and stand across from Kento in the ring. And I think finally feel like he really belonged there. And that meant a lot. Everyone's moments are so beautiful. And then mine was (laughs) not. No, um, my... My moment was on May 25th and it was when Hikaru Sato and Ashino shook hands. That was just a, it it was a big moment for me. It was very exciting. It was very narratively uh, satisfying and it was really fun to see. I had wished it led to more. Um, Of course, that was a little frustrating that the storyline didn't really go anywhere from there. Um, It it 
it did for a minute and then it sort of dropped almost instantly. But the moment itself was really great with um, them bringing in Dan and just having this really nice bookend to this bickering that they had been doing up until that point uh, within evolution slash uh, both suplex. So it was just, it was, it was just a really good moment. It had me vibrating out of my skin. So that's my moment of the year. So next is shocking moment of the year. I want to give a special shout out to Naoya Nomura returning after saying that his uh, match with Yuma was going to be his last match. And then he just shows up and now he's kind of part-time back. But um, my shocking moment is probably how I found out because <laughs> it was the first thing I saw when I woke up. And that was Jake leaving all Japan. I woke up to about 100 missed messages in our group chat. And thinking like, what the hell happened? I'm obviously like, what is going on? I didn't quite believe it when I saw the news. I had to reread it a couple of times, but I just didn't expect it. For my shocking moment, I don't know if it's a shocking moment, but for me, it was the most pleasant surprise of the year. And it's Kento having a freaking banger with Takao Omori for the Triple Crown. Mm. I think when this was announced, people thought it would be like a filler defense. And I saw a lot of people complaining about like a lack of challengers for Kento. And these guys went out and had an amazing match. Like I would put this in like my Kento top three of the year. It was just awesome. So uh, for me, I saw I've got um, three moments. I can't really pick just the one. So um Number one, I'll have to go with uh, Jake being Kento for the Triple Crown. Like uh, I didn't expect it at all. And uh, I popped so hard, I think I woke up with mom from her night shift. So, yeah, I got a, you know, not, I didn't get the best uh, text message from her. But, um, yeah, that was a good moment. Um, what else was I going to say? Now you're no more returning. Uh, I, had, I had a weird feeling, like I had a weird inkling that was like, maybe it's like, it's more of a personal development thing for him rather than, oh, he's leaving all Japan on bad terms. He doesn't want to be there. And uh, the third one, obviously, Jake Lee leaving. That guy, Zavi, he only brings me bad news, messaged me, thought it was a prank. And then I was like, fuck. And then just about the alarm bells were ringing. But, you know, it's sort of uh, calmed down a bit. But yeah, those are my top three or one, whatever you want to say. <laughs> Uh, for me, it would definitely be Naoya returning to All Japan and storming the ring to confront Yuma and uh, Jake Lee. Like Smiley said, I think a lot of us were kind of speculating about this being a thing, maybe this being now built into part of an angle because Yuma was so loudly calling him out in the press and calling him a basement champion and really leaning into this. I think it was so sad when he came back after there being a lot of uncertainty about his injury and what he was going to do, he comes back, he says, well, I'm leaving. And he has one match with Yuma. And there was a, uh, it's so weird to be in like the a, a different position, right? We thought Yuma or rather we thought, thought now had left. And then we got him back in this weird way. Um, he's not really back, but he's also back. So that loss was sort of mitigated. And now we've actually lost Jake and now he's still sort of half in half out right now. So it's a really weird feeling. But when I, um, I was driving to, I've talked about this on kick out into beer, but I was driving to get Starbucks before I had to go into work. And Jonathan started like spam texting me. Cause I think the show was happening while, um, while I was doing this. And I was like standing in the Starbucks parking lot, like just completely <laughs> overwhelmed, like just the real, like the relief of like, okay, like we were right. This is an angle. He's going to come back. And we don't really know what that means yet, but the door isn't closed to Tanaya 
doing what he's meant to do in this company because again like it all comes back to next year 1.0 it's supposed to be the four of them and that's heartbreaking to say today because we're, we're losing one of them more on a more permanent basis now but it was just good to in the moment feel like okay like that door's not closed we'll get now yeah and we'll we'll see what we can do from here so for my uh, shocking moment, it would be on August 14th, and that was when Rising Hayato debuted his new look and attitude. Um, there, I, um, Alicia had to watch me go through it. <laughs> I was so taken aback. I actually fell off my couch onto the floor. Uh, it, was, it was just so surprising. And, um, and from there, we got to watch him grow even more as a wrestler and become absolutely incredible. And it's, it's going to be very exciting to watch him grow from here. So I had to had to give him the shout because I was absolutely flabbergasted. He's now easily one of my favorites in the promotion. Now is the junior heavyweight wrestler of the year. And honorable mention goes to Harisato. He just had a great year. It's just a shame he ended the year with an injury. But my pick is Asuki Yagi. He has just had such a good year, especially the second half. Ends the year's junior champion. And Tiger Mask's horrible reign, so he's the real champion here. <laughs> he won Junior Battle of Glory. He has new gear that looks great, and it's a really smart move with the pink hair because it really helps him stand out amongst all Japan's junior scenes. Also going to go with Atsuki. Uh, him winning the junior belt was great, but if you've been watching all of the All Japan house shows, then you've seen this guy steal the show on every card in every six-man just putting in the work, just a super fun wrestler uh, and still really young. Sure, he's going to get even better. And he has that rivalry with Ayato now that should produce many great matches. Um, I also have Hikaru Sato as my runner up because his first half of the year was pretty amazing. And yeah, I have to put him at number two since this is all Japan only. But uh, shout out to... Uh, Japanese for wrestling Twitter who keep bringing up his matches in Tenru projects. He's apparently doing incredible stuff over there. I'm going to have to check some of that out, but uh, yeah, my number one is Atsuki. Yeah. I'm going to have to go with the cliche pick as well. You know, Atsuki Ayagi, you know, uh, just, I don't even know what to say. It's just like, I think it's just, we found like the Kento equivalent of a junior heavyweight. He's like, he's that guy he he's him that's what i'm gonna that's what i'm gonna end yeah. so my honorable mention is also uh hikaru sato he um really defined the junior division in the first half of the year and gave them the stability that they needed and just shaped this thing to get these guys going to where they needed to go and it's you know he produced some incredible matches and that needs to be recognized to be sure I actually went with um, Hayato as my junior wrestler of the year. And I know that you can give it to Atsuki for a myriad of reasons, all of which that you guys have said, and it's completely valid. I went with Hayato because at the beginning of the year, I was legitimately concerned that he just was like this green boy that wasn't ready and had just some concerns around um, gaps in his wrestling. And I think he took that like low moment with that world junior challenge and then kicked it into high gear just decided that he was going to just reshape everything for the rest of his year and he did and what he was able to do was astounding he went from being looking like a green boy to being one of the most over people on the roster by the fall 
And I don't remember what show it is anymore. I think it happened on the uh, October tour. It was like a show that I think had cheering, but he was like literally the most over person in the match Mm -hmm. he was in and then was emotional in the post-match because of how over he was. And I loved that moment. And I loved the work that he put in this year to get himself to where he is now. He's also incredibly thoughtful about this character change and his reasons for why Um, he has done certain things in terms of the costuming. And I think he must believe that Westerners have a different, I, I guess, a different sort of importance placed upon Elvis than we actually do. But I really admire that he has thought so much about what it what it means to be um, like a rock star. That's what he's looking to do with this kind of character, right? I just appreciate so much the thought that he's put into this. And Lou, I think it was actually you who said this, that the gimmick really is something that would work in Dragon Gate. It's not something that should work in more traditional all Japan. And I think it speaks to Hayato and his talent and what he has been able to build with the Japanese fans that are coming to these shows that he is as over as he is. And that just speaks to his raw talent and his magnetism. So I wanted to acknowledge him for junior wrestler of the year. I am so glad you mentioned the Elvis thing. Um, if I could give just a little bit of context for um, people who may not know, I think we've mentioned it before, but in the uh, Shoe Pro costume research column, he was talking about his inspirations for the look. And he mentioned like Visual K and Glam Rock um, Japanese artists. And then he also mentioned that Westerners also like guys in makeup because they like Elvis, which was just so charming to me. And he, yeah, so, so there's just a lot of thought that he put into it. And um, he watched a lot of makeup YouTube videos to like sort of figure out like how to do his makeup because he had never done anything like that before. So he he really was dedicated to sort of making this character change. Um, and Alicia pointed that out beautifully. Uh, however, my wrestler of the year was in fact Atsuki Aoyagi as well, or my junior heavyweight wrestler. Um, it just... I actually messaged Alicia, like, is anyone going to pick anyone other than Otsuki? Um, Because he just seems so obvious to me. And Alicia's like, actually, you could pick like anybody <laughs> um, and, and make a good point. And we sort of went through and I was like, yeah, actually, almost all of these juniors can make a really solid case for wrestler, for junior wrestler of the year here. And they really could, like um, Dan really could as well. Obviously, Hikaru Sato, we've mentioned, Um Hokuto had some really phenomenal moments. So you really could, but Otsuki to me is just um, the cream of the crop, the Kento of the juniors, uh, as you guys beautifully mentioned. It, it just, it feels right. He's, um, he shines. He really does. And, and that was um, in his little costume research column. He talks about how he wanted to do all this glitter and gold in his new outfit because he wanted to shine. Um, so I think he's uh, doing that beautifully. And with other people's picks, we had Jonathan, Compa, and Dylan all say Aski, and Lewis and Desuari saying Hikaru Sato. And now for our last award, and it's Heavyweight Wrestler of the Year, and for me, there was no one else that it could be except for Kento. I wish there was, um, so this will be a tough decision, but it wasn't. Nobody came close. He's on another level. His Triple Crown matches have all been fantastic. His team with Takui Nomura was the best. He won the Royal Road and Tag League. He calls himself the best of the best for a reason. And he is like the best of the best in 2022 or Japan. Yeah, I'm going to be boring and also go with Kento. 
think he had the most consistent year of all the roster. And when you look at his list of great matches this year, it's it's mind-boggling. Uh, you have the Shuji match, the freaking two Nomura matches, the Aoyagi match, the T-Hawk match. Uh, he was great in the Real World Tag League. And he keeps putting on these hilarious comedy performances on house shows. He's just, yeah, he's the MVP and he deserved winning that uh, Tokyo Sports Outstanding Performance Award. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to go with Kento. Like, there's no ifs or buts, but it's just he was just so amazing this year. Like, um, I'm not gonna lie to you. If you go back to like three years ago, I was kind of getting sick of him. You know, I think uh, a lot of uh, all Japan fans were, but you know, this year when uh, things got rough with you know Jake's injury, you know, having to carry the company, there's a bit no more left. You know, there's a bit of uh, uncertainty or a bit of a bad image, but, you know, he carried all Japan through that period, you know, stepped up. He had a freaking really good match with Abdullah Kobayashi that nobody thought would be good. You know, the Shuji Shikawa match, the, his champion carnival, Yuma uh, matches, Jake matches, you know, even the Taru match, I was thoroughly sports entertained through that match, you know. Yes. The only real disappointment that he had was probably the Suwama match, but that was in their hands. That was, you know, to do with something else. But, you know, it's just, uh, I think, like, this year, he's been a breath of fresh air compared to previous years. And I think, like, the added pressure of, you know, how to carry the company in the 50th year anniversary, you know, made him change and change for the better as well. So, you know, he's the best of the best for the reason, and he's proved it this year, as, as he always does eventually. So yeah, Kento Miyahara is my pick. Yeah, I mean, I'm a super unapologetic Kento Miyahara mark, and I can't really go with anyone else in this year, right? Just the the sheer breadth of his body of work. And I mean, it's it's undeniable just when you look at who he fought and the level that those matches all um all went to. It's quite incredible. I do, I think, kind of balk at at people kind of talking about him as if he's like rewritten his playbook or you know, that he's just, you know, kind of stepped up. I think that's the wording that kind of frustrates me that he stepped up. To me, this is Kento Miyahara. And it's nice that Kento was able to remind people of who he is, especially in a year, like Smiley was saying, where we did not start off on the right foot. We had a lot of departures, one of them being Naoya. And we had Jake um, getting his face broken and then having to return the belt, which felt like the cruelest joke in the world. And then things were chaotic last January. And what Kento always kind of represents as the young ace of this company is like a sense of, I think, just stability. And he was able to really bring that and just kind of equalize things going on in the main event very quickly. And, you know, I think that what he was able to do this year coming off of those circumstances was just truly admirable. And I also am of the belief that, you know, there's there's great wrestlers and then there's also great performers. And sometimes you're lucky enough that the person that you like is both. Not everyone is both. Kento is both. You know, I think we're lucky in having an ace that is both, but that's just, you know, my sort of my baseline thought on Kento is that he is that rare instance of a great performer and also a great professional wrestler. And I think we got to really see that in this year. Yeah, perfectly said. Couldn't say it better myself. Um, Kento. Miyahara was my pick as well. I, I really mulled over this one thinking I could 
pull out a zinger and pick something different, but no, it, it just had to be Kento. It had to be the ace. And he really, um, really just shined and was incredible all year, st- top to bottom. And I think Alicia said it best is he's just, he's a performer and a phenomenal wrestler and just has a great mind for uh, the performance and for entertaining the crowd. And for the other picks, we had Jonathan going with Kento, Lewis picking Shotaro this why I picking Kento Mihara, Kompa picking Ricky Honda, and Dylan said Yuma Aoyagi. So we have some December moments to quickly go over. Yuma Aoyagi and Naoya Nomura are officially back as a tag team. Their goals are to win the tag team title and have a triple crown match between the two. Tokyo Sports released their awards and Kento won the Outstanding Performance Award, while Yuma Anzai won Rookie of the Year. And a little fun fact is now both Yumas in All Japan have won Rookie of the Year. And our last one is Evil Director Suwama, who batters people around the ring, swapped his ring gear for a Santa suit and gave out presents to little kids at an event. It's on his Instagram, and please go see it. It is just hilarious. Coming up in January, January marks the start of the New Year Giants Tour, which replaces the New Year War Tour. Several big matches have already been announced, including a number one contenders match for the tag titles between Nae Nomura and Yuma Ayagi versus the Saito brothers. Asuke Yagi will defend his junior title against Hikaru Sato. Takao Amore and Masao Inoue versus Misawa and Kendo Kashin for the All-Asia Tag Titles. Tag League winners Kento Miyahara and Takuya Nomura will face Suwama and Kono for the tag belts. Several other participants have been announced, including Minoru Suzuki, Kaz Hayashi, Nayu Nomura, Kotaro Suzuki and Yuji Nagata. And announced on the Christmas show is former Dragon Gate wrestler and our freelancer Naruki Doi will participate in All Japan in the new year. Okay, so now our predictions for next year. It doesn't matter if they're big or small, but what do you think will happen? And I'm going to go with my same predictions for this year because they didn't come true. Is that both um, Oyagis hold the top belts of their division at the same time and Ashino gets new colored gear besides from red. Uh, I guess I'm going to go with uh, Yuma and Naoya as uh, world tag team champions. And I'm usually not one for um, hot potato title reigns, but I kind of hope that Kento and Takuya win the belts so that they can then have a match with Yuma and Naoya, which would be amazing. Hmm. Um, Yeah, that's what I'm going to go for. Um, so mine will be uh, Yuma Yagi will win the triple crown, and uh, I think Asuno will. I think he'll win it. I feel like he'll win it. I think he was probably supposed to face Kento and then he got injured. Junior, I'm trying to think. Maybe um, I think Rising Hayato. I think he'll win it this year. I think so. And um, I'll go for another one. I think I mentioned it earlier, but I think Yuma Anza will get a triple crown championship match some somehow during the year. Uh, I hate predictions. I think that Yuma Aoyagi, I mean, he he really needs to just win the Triple Crown <laughs> in this year. So I'll say that like uh, Yuma will become Triple Crown champion. And I'm kind of with Smiley on this. I think that Ashino could potentially win this year as well. I'm thinking that given the circumstances that it would really behoove <laughs> all Japan's booking to get Ashino in the mix this year, it now is the time they should pull the trigger. Yeah, I'm also with Smiley, but on the prediction of Hayato winning the belt 
from Otsuki. I think uh, Paito is going to work his way around. He's already starting the whole, um, like, I'm sorry, I couldn't fulfill the fans' expectations um, and and going through his little slump era. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think we're working our way up to that. That's my prediction, is that Hayato's taking that World Junior title next year. And now we move on to questions. And the first one is we have two questions about the future of the Triple Crown title. So I'm going to combine them. Zaki asks, who do we see dethroning Kento? And Kellen, Marion asks, do you see Mihara losing the title on the January 3rd show? Or Yuma gets a triple crown from Mihara. I mean, I'd love to see Yuma <laughs> throwing Kenzo. <laughs> like in the back of my mind, I kind of want to see Takuya Nomura win the title just to see the chaos it will bring. But I don't think it's happened. But um, my pick just has to be Yuma. Yeah, I don't think that Kuya is winning the triple crown. It's going to be a great, great match, but I don't think he's winning. Also, think the best pick to take the belt off. Kento next year would be Yuma for sure. They, they had an amazing match last year. I think they can have sort of a Jumbo Tsuruta versus Misawa type moment slash match. They have the relationship. They have the history to do it. Uh, 2023 might be the time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't see uh, Nomura winning. But even if he doesn't win, I, I know his uh, mark would come back. But yeah, I think, um, you know, with Jake leaving, I think um, Yuma just he needs to get that first win over Kento, and there's no, you know, bigger way of winning against him than defeating him for the Triple Crown Championship. So, my friend Rob told me about what Takuya has going on back in BJW, and it seems incredibly unlikely with the title shots that Takuya is in line for that him winning the triple crown would be even remotely possible. So I think that's out as an option, but the match is going to be great. I love Lou, you mentioning Jumbo and Misawa, because I think that actually is a really apt comparison to what Kento has with Yuma. It's a, a very different relationship to what Kento has ever had with Jake and what Kento has ever had with Naoya. He really, um, he really acts like a very mean bullying senior with Yuma. And we saw that, I, I've said this 87 times, but we saw that sort of brilliantly at the end of the Triple Crown match this year when he refused to shake Yuma's hand. He just wouldn't do it. And because he just looks right past Yuma and does not see him as being on his level yet to give him that kind of respect. So yeah, I mean, like we could have that program and we could have that match and we could have that incredible moment. I mean, Yuma is so good at this because he's just the baby face, right? he could give us that incredible moment of him finally pinning Kento. And yeah, like, how could you want anything other than that? Yeah, that's, that's the choice. That's the correct choice. Um, as fun as Takio would be, I, I don't really want an outsider winning the triple crown at this point in time. Um, I just, I just don't, and I, I love Takio, but um, yeah, I, I think, you guys said everything that I could have possibly said, which is, is of course a bit of a trend here, but um, you guys just have really good takes <laughs> and Yuma is, is just the, the right choice it really is. So Raphael Lehman asks two questions. Who would you team up with Kento, Yuma or Shino to take on team 333 KG? And there's only one team on my mind. I don't really watch a lot of um, Joshi wrestling, but I have to say up, up girls with Kento. 
because he does dance and even though he says he's shy and he's never going to dance again that is the biggest lie he's ever told and I just think that'll be hilarious and that's my only thought with that question I really don't know I don't have a I don't have an answer <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't watch oh, anybody good. so Smiley do you have anybody that you would uh team up um a bit of a weird one I was gonna say um I recently off a gym and someone but she's more like a, a stone cold killer kind of wrestler so I don't see her feeling I'll say um uh, my Hime and Ashno, just because you know DDM's mm. my Stardom one, even if I don't watch Stardom and you know Mogungunia Avanaki. So yeah. Yeah, this actually would be a really good team. Uh, mine was uh I like that we sort of picked each a uh one of the three guys that uh Rafael gave us. Uh, mine was Yuma and Maji Rabi from uh TJPW, so Mizuki and Yuka. I think just the raw chaos of those three would be incredible and they would uh, just be menaces together. So I want to see that. And the second question is, what's your wish list of wrestlers signing in January? I think for me, it has to be Ren Ayabe. First one, I think he will sign. Nagi Nomura, and I'd love to have both Nomuras with Takui Nomura as well. But that's like a, that is probably a wish list. Um, both in the I'm also going to go with Ren Ayabe as well. I'm just worried because we haven't seen him in a while. I'm I'm maybe worried that they've replaced him in the like tall young boy spot by Yuma Anzai, perhaps. Um, but I would still like him as a regular member of the roster. And yeah, they need to get they need to get now Yanomura under contract. It's it's ridiculous at this point. They, they, it has to be like the assigned member of the roster and permanent uh, main event guy in all Japan. It's just get it done. <laughs> um, for me, it'll be um, so Reno Yabe. That's a good shout out. Obviously, now Yanomura, it feels like it's sort of like written in the stars at this point. I'll go with uh, Kodama, uh, Tachibana, and I will go with Kumadoi as well. Like, um, even, like um, even if they're not world tag champs, it's so nice to see him there. Like, obviously, we didn't see him for about four months. And then there was another two-month gap after they lost the tag titles. But, you know, they add something um, different to, uh, you know, all Japan's tag team division. They're a bit more charismatic than most of the other tag teams. So, you know, they're a, they're a welcome addition. Yeah, I second Smiley. I mean, Ren Ayabe is a is a very good shout. But it's like some of the guys that we have on these shows – every show need to be under contract. Let's stop messing around and sign the guys that we use all of the time. Hikaru Sato is not under contract and maybe he doesn't ever want to be under contract. Maybe he still wants to go and do tenure project right here. He's doing incredible things like Lou has heard, but these guys are not under contract and we use them like every show they should have contracts. And that I think is honestly more important to me than any sort of quote unquote wish list. I will always say I would love for the day that Naoya signs. I am not as optimistic as some of our friends on him resigning. I think that if this was simple, it would be done. So clearly it's not simple and we don't know what that reasoning is, but it would be great if it would one day work out. Maybe he'll shock us all and he'll be in the track suit in like what, two weeks, a week. I don't think it's that simple. I would like it to be, but I don't, I, I don't know. I'm, I refuse to speculate on it until we hear from him. Yeah, mine was also Kadama and uh, Hanabata. 
was the the two that I really want. And I sort of jokingly put down the three young lions. Um, but like I said, we we know that's not quite possible, but uh, it would it would still be good. They'd look good in the tracksuit. That's all I'm saying. Steve asks, with the departure of Jake Lee, who do you see stepping up to be a player in All Japan's heavy division? And do you think there has to be a bigger focus on the juniors like other Japanese promotions? So stepping up has to be Yuma, Shoto Oshino, Nomura, if he sticks around. Um, And the bigger focus on the juniors, I think they are focusing more on the juniors. If you look at the poster for the January tour, ASCII is featured heavily and they never feature a junior that heavily on the poster. So I think there is a bigger focus already on the juniors. Uh, Same thing for me. Like essentially Naoya Nomura, Yuma Oyagi, they have to be the guys that step up to fill the Jake Lee spot. And as far as the junior heavyweight division goes, I think it's already happening. They're already putting more focus on it. They have more, I think it has better presentation, better characters, and an exciting main rivalry with uh, Atsuki and Ayato. So I think it's all going to get even better in 2023. Yeah, I'll, I'll say uh, Yuma, Ashino, Nomura, and uh, I think to answer the junior question, I think it's already sort of happened this year, you know, like I said earlier, if you compare this year's situation to last year's, like it's two different worlds. Like last year's more like, uh, oh, there's a 10 minute match between two husbands. And now it's, you know, now it's, um, you know, like a nice fun little sprint between two youngsters, you know, who are, who haven't, you know, even reached their full potential yet. And they're still amazing. You Pretty much same sentiments it definitely has to be Yuma and Ashino and Naoya if he is going to be sticking around in any capacity the junior question the way it's phrased is a little bit confusing because again as everyone has sort of said we had a great year frankly I think our juniors were more competitive and were booked better than most of the other Perez companies um, particularly Noah so (laughs) I you know, to me, you know, we had, we had the better wrestling of, of many of the major pro wrestling companies when it comes to junior wrestling. So undoubtedly all Japan has been investing in these guys and yeah, that's it. That's that on that. As they say. Alicia's trying to keep from shooting on the, the Noah juniors, but no, she does actually raise really good point. Uh, I think that all Japan juniors are the best juniors, like straight up. And the focus that they're putting on them is every bit deserved. And I don't think that it has anything to do with Jake's departure. I don't think that there's necessarily like, that's just how the question was phrased where it's like, do we have to do that? No, I think they're just doing that. And I think that the juniors are also speaking for themselves um, with their work in the ring as well. So I think that's happening very organically. Um, And then of course you guys nailed, uh, hit the nail on the head there with uh, who we want to see up in that main event scene, Yuma, Ashino, uh, Nomura, if we can. And it's, it's just good. It's um, I feel optimistic about the coming year. Sorry, Ox, with Taichi signing with All Japan looking like a possibility, at least to me, who would you like to see in his faction? Uh, I just have to say uh, Ryu in UA so they can bond over Kawada. That's my pick. Is this a real rumor? Is, is this? Des came out with, I think, his own rumor because I have <laughs> not heard this rumor before Des sent it in. Wow. Uh, I don't know. I guess visually, um... Ayato would fit with Taichi somewhat if you change this color scheme, but I, I don't know. I have no, I, this is taking me by surprise. I don't know. 
Yeah, I'm not really sure what to make of this, but you know, if he's gonna if Taichi was to carry on his same gimmick, then you know, Hayato would probably be a perfect fit. But you know, if he was to come back, you know, with the baby face route, I think uh, like a faction of him, you know, way, uh, Ryuji Chikata would be quite fun, and Fuchi as well. He's always to have a lot of history if uh, people don't know. If Tai Chi comes back, he's now going to have to apologize to all the fans he pissed off in Corican. So that's quite a way to start <laughs> your time in All Japan again. I don't think he's coming to All Japan, but if he were to come to All Japan, bring the three young lions. Make that your little faction. Don't come unless you're going to bring those three. I love Tai Chi, but definitely bring those three and make them your little faction because I, I really can't figure out who to put him with. I mean, Luke brought up like Hayato, which technically works, but I can't separate Hayato from Kento. <laughs> like is sometimes a mini Kento. So like, I just can't, I can't even fathom that right now, actually. The only thing I can think is that like Tai Chi makes um, his own little, uh, what would you call it? Exodus from New Japan and brings just the three young lions <laughs> to all Japan. <laughs> I like that though. I really like that. If anyone could do an invasion angle, invasion sort of with uh, that, it would definitely be Tai Chi and his uh, little parade of ducklings would be really, really good. Yeah. I I like the idea of Hayato because Hayato declared himself uh, the world or um, wrestling's first visual K wrestler. And I like the idea of Tai Chi having some things to say about that uh, because he is also very visual K inspired. So the two of them sort of clashing and then eventually bonding would be would be cute, but it's also very hard to take him under under his wing. So maybe Tai Chi and Kento are um, it's hard to separate him from Kento. So maybe Tai Chi and Kento will also team up and, and that'll be bizarre. But <laughs> Alicia's making a face. Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, this I don't like all, it. Yeah. This is all Des's rumor anyway. We're yeah. all just living in it. <laughs> all right next question <laughs> okay and our last question is dr jonathan asks if you ran all japan what big move would you make to keep the fans invested in the products i, don't, I have no idea like stop <laughs> letting people leave all the time get a better camera and do english subtitles for backstage promos there mm. you go that's it <laughs> we we actually answered this earlier the answer here is triple crown yoshitatsu I, you have no idea my urge to just close my computer. Like I reached forward and almost start muting Lou. I think. Um, I'll I'll go with the same stuff as Jesse said. Um, you know the uh, like the graphics and stuff were quite nice for the Corrigan shows. You know, some I think something like that would be like a bit more attractive, even though it's not really you know an old Japan thing. I think you know stuff like that helps and. Uh, Better, you know, better quality cameras because you know, it's 2023 nearly. You know, we don't want to be watching our wrestling in uh, 240p or 144p. <laughs> you know, I need some. You know, the, I know the the in ring stuff's quality, but I need to see the visual quality as well. I would say I think that some of the video packages they did do this year were really good. Like I thought that Kento and Jake's in particular was done beautifully and there was another one that I really liked too I just can't remember what it was now but I think that they could do more of those I think that those do make a difference even when we don't know what is being said in them initially 
I do agree with Jesse that they could have more subtitled content. I think that that stuff just um, helps people, I think, get to know the characters in a different way when that stuff is more accessible. So I think that that could be really helpful. Noah is just starting to put subtitles on their content, which I think is a huge move from them. They've got like maybe two or three Budokan vignettes up now in with um, subtitles, with English subtitles, which I think is huge. And um, I hope all Japan can get to a point where they can afford to follow suit because that is, um, frankly, that's the problem is that all Japan can't afford necessarily to have the staff full time to be doing that kind of work. I hope we can get there um, one day with all Japan because I do think it'll make a big difference to catching people's um, attention and getting them interested in watching all Japan. Yeah, I um, I like the direction you guys are all going with um, subtitled videos, better graphics. I definitely think I'm with Smiley on the we need uh, the hashtag HD uh, visuals going on there. I think um, just an updated player in general, having the um, 10 seconds forward, 10 seconds back so that we can rewatch spots and, and even gift things a little more easily, um, get the word out there on Twitter would be fantastic. Um, that, that really does make a huge difference. So um, yeah, give some more organic word of mouth, um, help us help, help us help all Japan would be sort of my ideal on that one. And an updated player would really help. Thank you for listening and supporting Talking Triple Crown this past year. It really has been overwhelming and I do appreciate it all. Thank you to everyone who's ever liked, retweeted, shared, asked us a question or simply listened to the podcast. A special thank you to all the guests we've had on the show, Dylan Fox, Smiley times two now, Dr. Jonathan and now Captain Lou. And a huge thank you to the best co-host a girl could ever ask for, Alicia and Rachel. And you can find me at Sister Jessie and Royal Road 72 on Twitter. You can find me, Alicia, at Shiranui Kai with two eyes and me and Rachel at kickout 299. And I just want to say too, because we did we did thank yous at the end of the kickout um episode as well. Smiley big timed us and he couldn't be on the kickout end of year. Um <laughs> so we had to put him on this episode. He gets special privileges even though he big timed us. But Smiley, you have been such um like Jesse an instrumental part of the success of the podcast this year when Rachel and I were talking about who we wanted to work with and sort of working through what this thing would eventually become. We just knew that we wanted to work with Jesse and we wanted to work with you. And you were both um, incredibly generous with your time so early on when we were still trying to figure out even how to do this. Um, We'd obviously never done this before and you both were incredible about that. And Smiley, you came on and um, have done other things for, for Kickout. And of course you've come on and done, you know, talking Triple Crown, but I mean, you and Jesse bookend the I Am Noah episode at the very beginning of this podcast for us. And that really started an incredible year that um, we're very grateful for. And we're so grateful for you. And um, you're also just, you know, incredible at, you know, wrestling stuff and answering questions and sending us things when we've needed things. So thank you so much for everything. We really do appreciate it. We're excited to have you back on for things in the future, as long as you uh, don't have plans suddenly last minute, but it's fine. We're recovering from the disappointment. (laughs) And um, Captain Lou, we met you later in this year, but we're so grateful to have been able to do that. And we we talked to you about this a little bit after the Total Eclipse episode that we did with you, but we, uh, we talk about your writing and reference your writing all the time. And it's just been such a joy to get to know you a little bit more and to 
um, look forward to being able to see your writing. And um, we're very grateful that we've been able to do the first episode with you and now having you on this. And we hope that we can have you back on for things next year as well. Because again, like you guys are all just part of this, um, this little community that we found this year. And we're just super grateful for, um, for you, for your support and um, for being a part of this with us this year. So thank you. That's very kind. I would love to be back on. Uh, this was super fun. Yeah, apologies for the big time, but uh, I, I blame <laughs> my cousin who's not is no longer uh, in my house at the moment. So yeah, um, yeah, it's uh, it's nice talking and, and yeah, like um, I think uh, podcasts have a bad rep, but you know, being able to connect with people like uh, obviously I live in the UK. I think uh, Jess from Australia, Kapilus from Canada, Alicia and Rachel from the US. So you know, being able to connect with different people, you know, about our love, our love for wrestling you know is uh something nice to share and uh i'm happy to be a part of it you know i've uh enjoyed the three times i've been on here so uh if anyone's listening you know keep supporting this uh podcast because you know there's a lot more to come and a lot more good stuff to come so yeah thank you for having me thank you both so much and on that note we'll wrap things up um you can find me at uh milky star that's m-i-i-k-y star and then lou and smiley if you could one more time give your plugs tell us where people can find you sure i'm on twitter at captain lou japan and you can read my reviews on happywrestlingland.com yeah i'm on, i'm also on the twitter my at is smiley underscore 1932 thank you so much once again have a fantastic new year and we'll see you in 2023 for more all japan pro wrestling